Hey there, it's been a while since we've had an episode of the podcast. My bad, this was originally recorded in 2021, but projects, health stuff, and the holidays all posed as factors that made this come out way later than expected. I currently have a backlog of episodes that I'm trying to get out, and I want to stick up a better schedule of having one episode per month, with videos going forward being exclusive to coffee backers over on coffee.com slash cash cash. The support will be appreciated and the show will still be available publicly in audio form. I just need to lighten the load on myself. Nevertheless, this is still a good episode even if some of the info and topics discussed are a bit outdated at this point. So sit back and listen. Thanks again for all the support. And now, on with the show. Hey there, I am Cash Cash, and this is the Cash Cast, a laid-back animation-focused podcast where I interview artists, animators, and content creators about their work, life, and interests. This is an episode I've been looking forward to. With me, I have Molly Halpern Grazier, uh, currently a writer and co-executive producer on HBO Max's Aquaman King of Atlantis. He's also worked on Yabba Dabba Dinosaurs, Fun of Cats Roar, and is one of the main people behind Disney XD One Breakfast Animations right now Kapow. I also have with me as a co-host one of my friends, Benzie Johnson Jr., who's a YouTuber who frequently discusses international television and children's live action fair, but occasionally talks about kids' cartoons, U.S. and international base, between his occasional binge sessions between MTV's Catfish and Ridiculousness. We will both be asking <laughs> questions and chiming in for this episode. So before we get started, as always, Marley and Benzie, if there's anything you'd like to add, please feel free. Uh, no, that was a, a really good recommendation, uh, uh introduction. <laughs> and you know, uh, 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 right now, Kapow and Yabba Dabba Dinosaurs have definitely aired more widely internationally. Uh, so I think this, that qualifies as international children's television. <laughs> <laughs> uh, every, uh, every episode of Yabba has aired, uh, in the rest of the world. Uh, the U S has only gotten half of them so far. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that was a thing, honestly. Um, when I was talking to Talia in one of the previous episodes, like I had no idea. Like I had like heard like murmurs about Yabba for like a while, but I was just like, you know, this is a new show, and Mark Merrick is on it. Like, when's it coming out? But you know how that happened. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I probably don't have anything to add that uh, Talia didn't already uh, say. But uh, yeah, I'm really I'm excited that a lot of it is on HBO Max. And uh, I have no reason to think the rest of it isn't on its way as some sort of a season two or se- part season one, part two. Uh, yeah. I don't have any inside <laughs> knowledge on that, but I don't know why they wouldn't release the rest of it. So there's some good. Right. We got a if you, if you like them, we got like a fifth, fifth, uh, 12 more 11, something like that. They've released half. So 13 more 11s. <laughs> hey, worst comes to worst, can we always start hashtag release the epic? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, release, release, I mean... restore the Merrick verse. <laughs> the Merrick. <laughs> uh, oh man, uh, this is a comedy podcast. 
yeah, yeah. I mean, there's also like a there's a, a Henry and June pilot they tried to do where they had their whole own show that I don't think really got released. We could get that out there. Uh, I actually, you know what? I'll just Talia might have already done this, but uh, you go to Mark Merrick's website, which is probably markmerrick.com. He has yeah. fully lost, unreleased like episodes of Kablam just there that you can download. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> You should uh, check him out. It's an amazing resource that should not be allowed, but he's it's there and it's been there forever. So no one cares, I guess. Yeah, truly <laughs> a man of the people. Like, <laughs> of, like, of course, of course, like after this, like we'll pivot to our usual order. Um, when when I was younger and I also think I may have mentioned this to tell you, but when I was younger, I was um, like hugely into like, this like little like very puny like kablam forum i'm like around seventh grade i think um i think we might have like gotten like a text interview with mark at some point but i know we definitely just like constantly um were just like lurking uh the website just to see like you know what the missing episodes so when yeah yeah so he just said like screw it and just like put all of it up like i was binging all that stuff (laughs) yeah so you yeah you know it's just yeah also it's just cool that he has an actual real website (laughs) yeah it's not on any social media but he updates that website <laughs> yeah, literal time caps are considering like everything's just like constructed in flash. Like when, yeah, yeah, when the whole. Well, hey, thing... I mean, you know, oh yeah, not not to derail everything, but like so few shows, animated shows in America, are still animated in Adobe Animate. It's called now, but it was Adobe Flash, and mm-hmm. it's it's shrunk so much that Mark is an important enough Adobe user. That when they do new versions, they like directly ask him for feedback. Like they say, they're like, no hey, Mark, way. how do you like the new version working for you? Any notes? Because he's like a significant portion of the animators still using it. <laughs> <laughs> Literally like the, the high elder wizard of Mark. Mark single-handedly counts for 2% of the Adobe animation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I probably because everyone not. was turned off by the creative cloud crap. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hilarious because, like, um, when they first announced that, you know, like, they were doing away with Flash, I think, like, a bunch of just, like, any amount of just, like, um, animation adjacent narrative, it's like, oh, shit, what's going to happen to Mark's website? We were all thinking that. <laughs> It still works, right? I think it, I think I've been to it recently. <laughs> oh, thank God for that! Because <laughs> like, if that was gonna go offline, like, oh my God! Like, I got Flashpoint <laughs> just for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess you know I've never tried to look at Mark's website on my Apple phone. I guess I've never been able. I would never have been able to do that. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, this isn't the Steerus podcast. <laughs> we haven't too many last <laughs> episode here. Uh, but yes, yes. Um, getting back on track. Uh, so, <laughs> so first off, first question I want to ask. Um, you've had quite the extensive resume, so I want to ask, how did you get started in the animation industry, and how did you end up working at WB Animation? Oh boy. Uh, so I have a, uh, I'll, t- I'll tell the shortest version of it, uh, but I like to tell it because I have a, a very weird origin story that could never happen uh now it's a real time capsule of pre-reset pre-great recession uh hollywood uh (laughs) which is so i was uh in college which is uh so in like 2005 2006 
uh, me and my friends were doing uh, a lot of internet comedy when that was relatively new. So we were doing YouTube videos when no one cared if you were doing YouTube videos. Uh, so like it was the, the YouTube uh, landscape back then was we were like the seventh most subscribed comedy YouTube channel. But that meant we had 7,000 subscribers uh, because that's that's what the stakes were at the time. Yeah. Uh, but like the number three most most subscribed comedy YouTube channel was Derek Comedy, which was Donald Glover's troupe. So we were like in the same general like range. They had more, but like it yeah. was that's that's what things were like. Like we got uh, YouTube used to have a front page where anyone who went to the website saw the same video. Uh, which yeah. obviously is very different than how it works now. So like yeah. we were on the front, we were on the front page a couple times, but that meant you got a million views. That was basically where it capped. Anyway, the point is, uh, we were doing that, and so right as we graduated, uh, there was this really small, really weird program at Warner Brothers that they called the Creative Lab, and w- what they did is they hired like eight of me and eight of my friends from Emerson college, a couple kids from NYU and a couple kids from Chapman. And they flew us to Burbank, put us in apartments. It was, it was the Oakwood apartments. They're not called, it's called something else now. Uh, and they gave us rental cars <laughs> and also paid us like a a small, but we- weekly salary. And they were like, we want you to help us figure out how to make and monetize internet comedy because you guys are the experts and we spent a year doing that and none of it worked none of it went anywhere (laughs) nobody wanted anything that we made and basically the answer was well the way we made money doing youtube videos is you hired us i don't know how you're gonna make money that seems like a different problem (laughs) (laughs) uh and I had been doing some really, really, really limited animations uh, on my own where I didn't even know, I didn't even know how to use uh, Flash or After Effects. I was taking like, I was basically doing paper cutout, like popsicle stick style animations, but digitally. (laughs) So, because I can't draw. So I would have my friend draw little guys and then I'd bring them into Final Cut and use the Final Cut Pro like motion controls to make them bounce around. (laughs) <laughs> uh and that's what i was doing because i loved animation but i can't draw i used to do claymation stuff when i was like in high school and college because i can Ooh, cool. i can sculpt a little better than i could draw um <laughs> but anyway uh so i was into animation like all my like i was uh, uh basically focusing on screenwriting and tv writing in college and i was writing like a future i wrote like a futurama spec i wrote an original animated spec pilot like everything i was focusing on kind of was animation although i hadn't completely realized that i still thought i was going to be in live action because that's just what everyone thinks they're going to do in film school. Um, but, but in hindsight, I was gravitating towards animation. So while we were doing this weird program, me and one of my friends pitched a uh, animated show, uh, and we wanted to not be online to be like a real TV show. And Mm -hmm. so we, they paid like, like 50,000, I think we had a budget of like $50,000. It was crazy, uh, to make a five, like a five minute animated pilot. And to, to make that, we teamed up with Warner Brothers Animation because they knew how to produce animation. And so in the process of doing that, we met some people at Warner Brothers Animation. And so after a year, when Warner Brothers realized that they had basically just like 
Dark Knight style set a warehouse full of money on fire. Uh, <laughs> and that that's, that's basically what our program was. Uh, when they realized that and let us all go, uh, I walked to uh, famed, longtime, legendary animation writer-producer Alan Burnett's uh, office because I had met him uh, while doing our weird little pilot. And I gave him a big stack of every script I'd ever written. And I was like, well, I'm fired. Do you want these scripts? Goodbye forever. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then, and, you know, we had, we were friendly. We talk, we would, he would say hi whenever he'd see me in the office. It wasn't unreasonable for me to think yeah. maybe he would, he would take a chance on me. Uh, and then, yeah, I was unemployed for three or four months. Uh, and then I get a call uh, saying, hey, uh, Sam Register, the brand new head of Warner Brothers Animation, wants to meet with you. Uh, and I come in and him and Alan are there and Sam's like, Hey, Alan needs some help writing these Scooby-Doo and Tommy Jerry DVDs. You want to do that for a little while? And 13 years later, it's the only job I've ever had. I'm still at Warner <laughs> Brothers Animation. Aces. Yeah, so that not, it, not, story. not something anyone else can ever really replicate. Not only that, not something any of my peers replicated like i'm the only person <laughs> from that initial group to immediately get a job at warner brothers everyone else is doing cool things now some of them even at warner brothers but there was like more steps in the middle right well, i mean i'm right. pretty sure that you can simulate the money being set on fire <laughs> because <laughs> more money has been set on fire <laughs> nowadays than back in 2007 2008 <laughs> yeah no i mean you're right streaming streaming is certainly setting money on fire i just feel like it's, it's more targeted like when they do it in streaming they at least have an idea of why they're doing it like our thing was so blue sky like they just were like it's the internet there's got to be a reason to do this like uh like uh, around that same era is when uh, Adult Swim did Super Deluxe the first time, uh, yeah, and and that was a similar kind of thing. They just gave it wasn't they just gave people a lot of money to make really cool web series that no one really saw, and they had no real way to monetize. And they're awesome, but then it just it was too early. Like it was the kind of stuff that would be on streaming now, but there was no streaming then, right. Yeah, Warner, Warner Brothers even had. Have you? Do you know that Warner Brothers had had a basically Hulu competitor called the WB.com, which oh, had yeah. all oh, yeah. it had it had all of Friends Absolutely. and all of the OC and also yeah. original series. We were supposed to be making stuff for that, but the whole thing just collapsed on itself. Back when we just gave away full episodes for free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's because yeah. that's. I mean, I mean, Hulu was free back then. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I remember. Used to, yeah, like all, I used to be all over all over Hulu back in the day, watching like. All kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. So no, you you are definitely right. There there is money being set on fire. So I guess that's my advice. Find someone with a find, big stack of money, bring a match, and be like, I can do this. <laughs> hey, that's... hey, hello, Netflix. Yeah, no, you're I, right. I heard you'll give money to anyone that breeds. Can I can I yeah. get in on See, that? See, I you know, I, I don't know though. I don't think I I know like I don't think that's true true anymore. I think you're right. There was a year when I think Netflix was doing that, but I I don't I don't know. I know there's a lot of money being spent, but I do kind of think the gates are back up. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I, I, like, it's getting, it's getting, it's getting kind of more competitive to be fair. There, there's more people throwing money out there, but they're kind mm -hmm. of, there's probably, there's probably a little bit. Yeah. There's probably a little bit of a, of a wall coming up because you know, the, 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 the whole, the whole space is shifting right now. Yeah. To yeah. Be fair. We're, we're kind of, 
we're they're trying to figure out better where to throw the money. Yeah, but you, you are definitely right, though. There's there are more platforms than ever before. It, it There's more TV shows feels, being made than ever before. Yeah, it definitely yeah. still feels like money is being thrown. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, but, you're definitely right. I just think the I think the the days of the South Park joke of this is Netflix, you're greenlit is not uh, not completely <laughs> true anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Um, now it's just you get one season of like six episodes, and then you die in the bottomless pit of Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> you just you you exist for about one second. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're done. Yes. saw like some some <laughs> show on like Paramount Plus, some adult anime show that literally got like canceled after one season, like today. And I'm like, I heard nobody talking about this. So like, oh, no. the, the, the streaming landscape in of itself is just weird. And I think another it's thing I've a... noticed is no, personally, because like I know you know some of my artist friends, and you're listening. Hi, um, <laughs> but I know a lot of my artist friends are really interested because, like, HBO Max is trying to provide the cartoon cartoons thing, which I think they rebrand to something else, but still doing the same mm-hmm. of like you know letting like you know like no, like no smaller artists, you no know, like, like try to like, pitch program. a short. Yeah, but I haven't heard like yeah. anything about that since the rebrand. So it's like, come on, let my friends get jobs, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they could that might be I should know because I'm I'm a Warner Media employee, but uh that's, <laughs> I think they're calling it that might be what they're calling Cartoon Institute now. Yeah, they yeah, I think they oh, relaunched that's an they used they, they used well no Cartoon Institute was one thing, but then they relaunched they slapped the cartoon cartoons name on a more recent shorts program that they're just uh, okay. getting off the ground right oh yeah 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 you're right it all blurs together i think it's still happening it sounded really cool yeah i don't, I don't yeah, think yeah. the lack of i think they're just processing pitches and deciding Probably. what to do with stuff i think no again no inside information even though theoretically my co-workers are running that project you're you're on the <laughs> you're on the ground floor of the conglomerate and they're all up on the yeah, yeah, no, I don't, I, I don't know anything about it. I forgot the name of it. Is how little I know about it. <laughs> Things do not happen in the elevator. <laughs> yeah, that is, you know, that is one weird thing about work from home is that I have less like casual interactions with other people who work at Warner Brothers because unless I have some reason to be on like a Zoom meeting with them, I don't see anybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely like something. No, I'm speaking as a recent college graduate myself, but that's definitely something that I sorely miss some physical interactions because, like, I remember like having a class of like one of my close friends, but it felt hollow because like once I clicked off, you know, it's like I know if we like unless you already have contact with these people and like other means like Discord or I guess you guys use Slack or whatever, you know, it's like yeah. no the. Being able to just like foster um, those, like even just like casual friendships, you know, like work appropriate ones, you know, I imagine it's way more stressful or just like, yeah, it's just hard. It just, it just happens. It just happens less is all, is all it is. Like I'm, you know, there are a lot of Aquaman employee, a lot of Aquaman crew members who I either hung out with for like a month and then we switched to work from home or I've never, I, I met for the first time at our little premiere party. uh, And, I'm definitely like friendly with all of them. I know who they are. I'd be excited to see them, but I, I'm sure we would have like become better friends if we'd been in an office together for a year and a half, like we would have been normally. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, man. And I think like personally, um, I mean, like, obviously none of the supplies to me. Like it's going to take me like three to five years in order to see these people physically, but no, I can imagine, you know, just like being able to like, actually like foster like, 
potential friendships because like um i think it was like charles gavin uh apologies i'm getting name wrong but i think like he made this like um interesting comment about like how harder it is to like navigating these like work uh relationships you know especially when people are just getting like shifted uh from show to show and like you know it's getting mm-hmm. hard to like establish uh those ties so yeah you know yeah well because the because well, yeah, because one of the effects of streaming is that seasons are getting shorter. So yeah. even if your show, even if your show gets picked up and you do a bunch of seasons, you still probably have big hiatuses where you're doing some other show in the middle uh, right. because the seasons aren't long enough to just keep you in production the whole time. For I mean, it's different on different shows, but that's happening yeah. more often. Yeah. No, for sure, and it, and it, you know it does stink because I do I really do think I mean this is probably true of most industries but you know animation is the one i know and i really do think the best way to like succeed in animation and build your career is by like building legitimate non non non-networky real relationships with your colleagues yeah Uh, and just getting getting to know people and getting to know who you like to work with and who likes working with you and it it not only helps you get job offers but it also helps you decide what jobs you want to do because you mm-hmm. know the sorts of the you know the people you like working with and the people that like foster a good environment and so getting yeah that that's really important and uh, it's a little harder right now. Mm-hmm. Um, before before I segue into another bullet point, uh, just just so I can just like ask questions directly, um, especially like this sort of circumstance um would you have like any advice for like someone uh like say my position who like isn't there yet but wants to know like better ways nor it's just like interacting people who are in the industry yeah i mean the the good thing is that because uh i did technically come up in the internet age uh although just barely uh the good <laughs> thing is uh my my advice has 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 never changed uh even as things change around it which is all you can do is whether you know whether you're a writer or an artist or whatever you are you know a director an actor it really doesn't matter all you can do is make things on your own uh if you can't do it all by yourself then get people to help you uh if you could do what i did which is i just did the parts i'm bad at also like i (laughs) i can't really i can't i can't really animate but i tried to write a funny enough script that it was okay that it wasn't really animated and that pretty much worked for me so you know however however you can make stuff on your own put it out in the world so it's possible for people to find it's it's definitely tough like algorithms are a little harder uh it's not like the old days where if you just put that word cat in your in your tags on youtube you'd automatically get forty thousand views uh (laughs) which is how it it used to work uh but you know tiktok uh algorithms are really friendly uh you can if you just post stuff there a lot eventually people will see something probably Mm -hmm. um I mostly know that because of my younger brother. Uh, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm too old for TikTok, but I've had it explained to me. Uh, anyway, uh, so make stuff, uh, have it, put it out in the world. Uh, and then if you're a writer specifically, the other yeah. trick is you have to have a really, really strong writing sample ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, because if someone sees your funny video or your great tweet or your wonderful TikTok, whatever it is that gets them to see you, that what they're going to say is, can you send me a writing sample? And if you say yes in two weeks, they know you're frantically writing it. Uh, So you want to have it already. (laughs) Uh, Also, it takes more than two weeks to write a good writing sample. So uh, uh, and that, you know, that's really like, you know, my the way I got uh, an in with an animation producer was sort of unique and not that useful to anyone else. But the thing that the only reason it worked is because I already had these scripts I had been working on for a long time. 
Uh, right. And I spent a lot of time workshopping with my friends and getting notes and doing revisions. And they were like really polished. They were, they were the best things. They were the best I could write at the time. Uh, yeah. I'd like to think I've, I'd like to think I've improved, but that, that was the <laughs> pinnacle of my writing at the time. And I had those ready to go and you never know what your opportunity is going to be. So you have to be ready for it. Uh, it really is that that's the mix of luck and hard work is the heart. You, you need that luck of getting an opportunity to show your stuff to someone. Uh, mm-hmm. And all you can do is just try a lot of stuff and hope you get that lucky opportunity. But that luck won't matter if you haven't done the hard work of having something to like back it up or show off uh, and be like, here's why this wasn't just luck. And you should be excited that you got you learned who I am person who can hire me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, and and the artist version of that is, you know, have a portfolio. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, obviously, uh, it's just a little easier because as an artist, you can basically be posting your portfolio online and that can be the thing that gets you the opportunity. Uh, you yeah. can't really do that with, you can't really do that with writing. If you're just a person and you post a script, no one will read it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you have to, you have to give them some reason to want to read your script specifically. Oh yeah, Absolutely. And yeah, that was just like a huge info nugget. So thank you for that, genuinely. <laughs> uh, let's see. Going to and our then, second bullet. Oh, oh, you were going to say something? No, no, I'm good. Okay, you okay, okay. It. All right, cool, cool, cool. Um, so going to our second bullet. Um, so personally, I associate you the most with uh, Right Now Kapow. So if you were to describe the show, how would you do so? And what was it like working on that show? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I I also associate myself the most with Right Now Kapow. Uh, right Now Kapow was a original animated sketch comedy show uh, that I co-created with my, my friend Justin Becker, who was also uh, in uh, the money burning scheme with me. Uh, <laughs> so we, we, we got him in eventually. Sometimes I, the, the good thing, here's the good thing about, about saying slightly inflammatory things on a podcast is the only reason anyone would be listening to this is if I've already gotten such an amazing opportunity that they're looking for something bad that I've said, uh, <laughs> which I feel like that means it's okay. Uh, no, it's, it was a long time ago. Everyone who worked in the program was doing their best. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> Justin did that with me. Uh, and you know, we were friends before we stayed friends. We stayed working on stuff together. We, we did stuff in the program together, stuff before and after anyway, animated sketch comedy, uh, it was officially six to eleven was the official age range. Uh, our rating was Y seven. Um, mm-hmm. We basically ignored that uh, and pretty much wrote. <laughs> basically, we wrote completely child appropriate sketches, basically for adults. Uh, I would say is is basically what we did. Um, and yeah, I mean the the premise of the show was that it was animated sketch comedy, but with a dedicated sketch troupe. So we cast six comedians to be the voice, to be all the voices. And we assigned each comedian a cartoon character design, basically a head. Uh, so like Betsy Sodaro had a plant, like a sort of a pine, a, a palm tree for a head. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Michael Blaclock had a dog head. Uh, Kyle Kinnade had an ice cream cone uh, for a head. Baron Vaughn had a moon for a head. And the idea was, Every time these characters played a character, every time these actors played a character in a sketch, we'd always use the head that went with that actor because we wanted you to know it was the same six actors playing all the characters. We wanted mm-hmm. you to feel like even this, oh, this is a sketch show, you can still have, you're still seeing your friends every week. 
Um, and part of the reason we did that is because me and Justin had both written on Mad, uh, the yeah. Cartoon Network uh, sketch yeah. show based on Mad Magazine. And, you know, Mad was a really successful show. Uh, and it was, you know, I was got nominated for an Emmy writing for that. Uh, it, Ooh, it was, congrats. we were like, our, our ratings were like second only to like Adventure Time for a while. Like we really, it really was a, a hit show, but it always felt like even though our kids were watching it, there was nothing for them to get attached to and nothing for them to like return to. And like, for example, couldn't really sell merchandise because, you know, they could sell Alfred E. Newman shirts or like spy versus spy shirts, but they were doing that anyway because of the magazine. Yeah. There wasn't anything. The show was not generating new reasons to buy a shirt. Um, and not just for wanting to make money, but also like wanting the show to have an impact, wanting people to like it and be, and want it in their lives. So we were trying to think like, okay, well, we want to do another sketch show because mad was, was really successful for us. And we think we could have success being like, Hey, did you like mad? We, we wrote on that. We could do a sketch show, uh, yeah. which was basically <laughs> our pitch. That's how we pitched right now. Pow, basically is we went to Disney and we were like, would you like a show like mad? We could kind of do that. And then pre- proceeded to make a show. Not very much like mad, <laughs> uh, which maybe was one of our downfalls, but anyway, uh, the, but we were thinking what, what would make us excited to do another sketch show. And what we thought is like, well, when you watch, Monty Python or when you watch kids in the hall or when you watch key and peel, yeah, it's new characters, every sketch, but you like the actors and you know who they are and you're a fan of the actor. Uh, and maybe a character becomes a reoccurring thing, but mostly you're a fan of the actor. And we wanted to create that in animation. And this was our attempt to do it. All right. I, th- I think, I think that was just, I think that was, that's a really important thing to bring up because that's really what made right now. Kapow so unique. And so, and give it so much potential because you know we've had animated sketch comedy before but you know as you said it's sort of you know very singular sort of short things kind of strung together and just got compiled into you know 22 minutes and say oh here's a show whereas you know on on a lot of live action fair you've got you know you've got you know actors playing characters and so bringing that and translating that into animation was something that I don't think I've ever seen done before and certainly hasn't been done since. So yeah. really it's just, yeah. I mean, I think the, the closest thing to what we were doing is really the Muppets um, because like, you know, when Kermit's, you know, in Muppet treasure Island, you still know it's Kermit. Uh, and we were kind of trying to create that, but you know, they took sort of decades to get that buy-in from the audience. And we were trying <laughs> to do it uh, instantly. Uh, what I always said while we were producing the show, and it became unfortunately less and less of a joke as we went on, is I always said, I'm very confident no one has ever made a show like this before. We're going to find out if there was a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't blame you for that being less and less of a joke. I blame the network shutting it at 10 p.m. for that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, like I feel like personally. Oh, um, let's uh, let's wondering. talk about. Uh, oh yeah, we're gonna go into the schedule. Was, okay. Oh, <laughs> we're getting into the. Oh yeah, because when Frickin I was outside, that, oh, I was outside. That pissed me off. <laughs> just that. I was like, just right now, Kapow oh, being man. dumped on like Monday nights at ten. It was so so infuriating, and 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 like I really, I've really been a, a fan of. Disney XD in general, at least up until everything crashed and burned over there in 2017. <laughs> um, I, I have I've talked about that. I've talked about this catch. This is not new for you, but yeah, um, yeah. wink. But I've been 
I've been, you know, I was a really big fan of a lot of their output right now, Kapow included among their, you know, illustrious, if somewhat short-lived pedigree. And so just sometimes they made just really awful moves with really great shows, whether it's burning things off like they did in their, that great flame out or just mm-hmm. really s- screwing over really well-deserving shows, including right now Kapow. So just, and, you know, 10, 10 o'clock is just far too late for any uh, any show on Kids TV to work, honestly, because there's just yeah. not yeah, that, I know there's, on, there's no on... audience there. There's just not it's not built like that, especially not anymore where prime time isn't moving just earlier and earlier in Kids TV. You know, yeah, no, I, I remember when running when five o'clock things, six o'clock things, they've only when... just moved back into seven o'clock. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. Like when so... we were doing when we were doing mad, our time slot was usually uh like 8 15 or 8 30 so yeah. it'd be yeah. like adventure time it'd be like adventure time at 8 regular show at 8 15 and then yeah. us at 8 30 and you would look at the ratings and they would just drop every 15 minutes and i'm like some of this is bedtime like <laughs> i know like adventure time and regular show are great shows and some of it is that people are tuning in for them and then turning it off but like some of this just attrition every 15 minutes is kids being told time for bed <laughs> yeah yeah but also i, I also i feel like the networks themselves have really not necessarily tried to maintain that kind of a stronghold, especially as mm-hmm. ratings across the board have splintered and there's, you know, all sorts of new viewing options. They've, instead of really trying to fight for that turf, they've just sort of more res- resigned themselves to taking what they can get. And really, I think the only outlet that's really running anything in, in prime time is, you know, Nickelodeon on Saturday nights still. And Disney Channel on Friday and Sunday, so, and that's all live action stuff. So like, there's yeah, it's just been no. We we definitely we we de- right now right now Capel definitely premiered at a time when they knew the old model wasn't working anymore, and they didn't know what the new model was gonna be. Yes. Um, because they they fully expected the ratings on the actual channel to not be so great because that was just the reality of the channel. And I think at the time they were hoping they could move those viewers to their website that had the full episodes if you had a cable login. Yes. <sighs> I really uh, wish I less knew that. about that, the better. <laughs> yeah. Like I'll say personally from my experience watching the show, I think I think around that time when it was still showing on the channel, I was like one of the like immediate people I knew that was actually watching the show. And it was like kind of frustrating because like as someone who sadly knows about and discusses cartoons on Twitter, um, you either fall into two camps with shows. You're you're either praised or you're despised. And it sucked that <laughs> I heard nothing about Kapow. And it was like it's not even like, oh the show is great or the show is horrible. It was just like people weren't watching it and i liked it and i could barely watch it i think i saw like one marathon like one premiere i didn't even know about the cable logging at that time and that was it and eventually i just like didn't see on the channel anymore and it's a shame and i think um when this podcast idea was originally supposed to be a, a scripted review um i was legit gonna i will just be completely transparent i have dove into like the deepest digital cave in order to find actual footage and surprisingly it's not there i bought like an episode <laughs> on google play to see if i could rip it no it's just not there so it, it's yeah really... you can hey you can buy it on itunes that's how i watch it oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but for real you know it it, it really does suck because i feel like 
know if like more people were just able to like upload clips easier, you know, just like it could have some of a second life. I, I'm sure of it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I truly do not know how the rights work between Disney uh, and uh, Warner brothers. Uh, I know that the, the kind of license that Disney had is not forever. Um, mm-hmm. And one day the rights will be fully with Warner brothers. Uh, and I would like to think that when that day comes, it'll get uh, uh, quietly shuffled onto HBO max and then maybe people can find it. Uh, but again, yeah. no, no inside information Emphasis about the chances of that happening. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, given what I said earlier, heavy emphasis on maybe that word is doing like 800% of the work. Yeah, uh, but I really, yeah, I really, really no, no, uh, no idea about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, after right now Kapow, uh, one of my, you know, o- o- almost my next project, I, I sort of wrote Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles while right now Kapow is winding down. Um, and so then the next the real next thing I did was Thundercats roar with Victor Courtright and he had just come from doing pickle and peanut. Uh, mm-hmm. so we definitely, we definitely bonded over having like fought in the Disney XD trenches. <laughs> and, and yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, it's all coming together. Oh my God. It's all, it's um, all coming together. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say how I feel about pickle and peanut, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say this much. Um, I think this might have been like a couple years ago, but I think it's, I think it's actually hilarious because like, um, Batman vs. TMNT was always just like its own thing, but I just found it hilarious how they actually got away with showing it on Nicktoons, uh, if memory serves correctly, which, you know, it's a kids channel. It's very much not made a kid friendly. Oh yeah, there's at least there's at least one pretty explicit decapitation in that movie. <laughs> yeah, a guy gets a ninja star right in the brain and then definitely dies. Yes, yes, like oh my god, oh man. Yeah, it, it was funny make because the the movie was always it was always rated PG thirteen. Uh, yeah. and Warner Brothers animations PG 13s go pretty hard, light on the swearing, hard on the violence is our PG 13, uh, our philosophy. Uh, and it was, <laughs> it was funny because we, we, we did get notes knowing that it was going to be on TV at some point that we're like, okay, but don't go completely crazy because we do need to be able to put this on TV also. It's not only <laughs> going to be on DVD. <laughs> Yeah, that is fair. I remember when I was younger, I think like the closest um connection I have to that. Um around like two dollars Tim Van Versi, they were showing a bunch of uh miscellaneous movies and one was like a direct DVD thing, uh The Condor by by the late Stan Lee. Um and that was like boarding on TV fourteen, but like this was like, still when two dollars on Cartoon Network. Like supposed to remember uh between the realistic violence and then just like one just like one throwaway scene of a girl just like showing her chest to like a throwaway character. My mom's like, no, you're not watching this. Not watching this. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, the and, tsunami stuff was always was always uh more adult. The line between tsunami and adult swim has always been a little blurry to me. Oh yeah. They legit, like I think around that time they legit just had like I remember like the last bump they had was just like transitioned straight into whatever first adult film show they had. They're just announced like Futurama or Venture Brothers or whatever. Yeah. And hey, like these days, like, you know, may- maybe move rings are just always going to be weird on Cartoon Network because they're literally like going to be showing the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. 
Oh, oh my God! Oh, this is like a perfect thing to laugh over Ben's, but um, that little that little movie block they have with hilarious because like, um, they have like their their preschool block, and then they were showing the Star Wars prequels with that scene. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are they doing over there? See, <laughs> so yeah, I think I'm I'm invested. Hey, that's not a content, but. Hey, that's know. not a tan- that's not a tangent. Aquaman, King of Atlantis, is going to be part of that block at some point. <laughs> oh yeah, I was actually like, that's very that's a that's excited. a that's announced that's announced. I can say that at some point we're going to show uh, show Aquaman as part of Acme Block. I mean, it's going to be great. Oh yeah, so it's yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> For real, like I, I actually like found it interesting because like I hadn't like. Um, yeah, and I, I get it for listening. This is more like television discussion, uh, than like animation discussion. But hey, this is a Benzie episode, so you know. Yeah, this is a, this is a me episode, so anything television is basically fair game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always like, found it interesting because, like, I, again, like, armchair animation fan brain here, but I didn't, like, I thought, like, the rules would be, like, a little bit different and concerning, like, um, shows made for streaming coming on TV. But like when Jellystone dropped on CN, you know, that that was like a shocker to me. So like I'm I'm guessing, you know, like I mean it's all warning me anyway. So yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean I, mean, I, I can assume that it's the same conglomerate and there's like relatively the same like there's different windows, but like, you know, if it's the same conglomerate, you can I I, I don't I don't family. I don't I don't feel like I'm speaking out of uh turn by saying that like our ra- the what the ratings mean for us don't change by the platform so mm-hmm. like if it's if it's pg that's pg by the whole company's standards if it's y7 that's y7 by the whole company's standards yeah uh sense. so like you know aquaman king of atlantis was pg so cartoon network can air it anywhere they'd be comfortable airing a pg thing because we're all being held to the same rating standards yeah and i was actually like pretty um and I was actually pretty excited about that i think like a couple days ago i actually like finished part two and I'll I'll just definitely say this. Um, Guilty as charge. Uh, Roar um, basically just like flew by me, but the couple clips I did see, I did like. But I really think like this was um, the next step. You know, just like for everyone involved. You know, I feel like um, no, I feel like the the art style is like more refined, but like obviously just having like that that loose like you know just like fun vibe to it. You know, re- really. Um, being able to like go to like some really nice sequences the colors are great and i think it's like and again like again if i'm sound like armchair feel free like let me know like what i'm actually talking about but um i think it was like pretty interesting because like the the way it balanced between like progressing like through the plot while also like having like enough air to breathe to have like jokes not just like small jokes either like you lay the seeds like something um, you know, like the whole like baseball bat joke in like part one. You like, the latency is like one thing, like in the beginning, and it actually comes into like you no know, a pretty decent point, like towards like the act three or whatever. I always yeah, like yeah. stuff like that. That that's good stuff. But no, I'm really yeah. Enjoying well, it. I can I I mean it's different with different things. Uh, writing takes all different uh, routes to get there. But I can tell you with something like that baseball thing, that's just that's it. That was a case of the original pitch always had a throwaway line about Mara wanting to beat someone with a water baseball bat. And then a, and a, a line about like, she doesn't, she just learned about land sports and she's excited. Uh, <laughs> and that one line 
everyone just liked so much that we were like, oh, we should do another baseball joke and another and another. And it just built. So like it just built from there. It's like when we wrote the first reference to it, we didn't know it was going to be like the main running joke of the episode. We just really liked it. So we kept throwing in more. And then so like, you know, I, you know, I probably wrote the first one. And then like when, you know, Victor wrote the outlines with me. So like Victor threw some more in when he did the outline. And then I I threw some more in when I wrote the script. And then the and then Keith, the director, threw some more in because he liked it, too. (laughs) And by the end of it, you've got, you know, oh, and then, you know, the. Uh, that sequence at the end when Mara does finally hit Peter uh, Pyotr Mordakov with the water baseball bat, uh, that uh, uh, I'm sure, yeah, it was definitely written in the script by the time I wrote it that she did that. But like that amazing shot of there being a little fish in the baseball bat and it like Ooh. kissing his cheek as it slams his <laughs> face across the wall. That was 100% uh, Drew Applegate who boarded that scene. So it's just like everybody's just adding and adding and adding to it. Um, and that's the great thing about animation is when it's working, it just gets better at every step. Like the, you know, especially like for Aquaman, like I, me and Victor wrote all the outlines, but uh, uh, two of my favorite animation writers, Brian Condon, who wrote on Right Now Kapow, and uh, Laura, uh, Laura Srivny, who uh, wrote on Thundercats and also uh, She-Ra, uh, Princesses of Power. Um they wrote the scripts for episodes two and three. So it's like, you know, you write the outline, then a writer comes in and writes the script and it gets even better. And then the board and then the board artists come in and do the boards and it gets even better. And then you bring the actors to come in and do the real performance and it gets even better. And then you ship it off to Korea and an amazing animation studio does the actual animation. It gets even better. (laughs) And it just, just every step of the way is better than what you started with, which is when it's working, the most rewarding part. Uh, of animation uh, and uh, to what you were saying earlier about it feeling like sort of the next step from Thundercats roar. Uh, I would definitely completely agree with that. Um, and I don't, that's not a knock on Thundercats roar at all, which I'm very, very proud of. Uh, it's what it really is, is it's two things. It's that Aquaman because of being three 45 minute specials, we had a little more time and a little bit more money per minute, um, which just let us put even more love into it and, and build it out even more and make it even more amazing. But also part of it is, and this is something I didn't completely realize until I really started working in animation is mm-hmm. because Aquaman has a similar art style to Thundercats. It's not identical. I know what the differences are, but I also know that the differences are not necessarily noticeable to other people. Uh, yeah. But because Aquaman, because Aquaman has a similar animation style to, Thund- to Thundercats, certainly. Uh, and because we used an animation studio in Korea, I am studio that worked on Thundercats. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to reinvent the pipeline. Like in a lot of ways, Aquaman had all the benefits that a season two of Thundercats would have had. Like Thundercats mm-hmm. also would have looked better if we had gotten to make another season. Like you get, you just get better at making a show as you go. You get more efficient, you get better at it, you get better at communicating. And by keeping the animation style in the same world, we ha- were able to take all those sp- benefits and put it onto a new show. And I think that a lot of times when when creators have a spin-off show or another show, sometimes it can be a little disappointing that it looks just like their other one. Uh, yeah. And some of that is marketability. Some of that is you want people to know that Central Park is made by the same people who make Bob's Burgers and that Great North is made by the same people who make Bob's Burgers and mm-hmm. the visual style just signifies that. But I yeah. really do think a lot of it is once you've got a pipeline working, you don't want to change it. They're so hard to build. It's so yeah. hard to make it's so hard to get an animation pipeline working right that you'd have to be crazy to blow it up for no reason. You would need a really good reason to not just keep it going because it's really hard to do. Uh, (laughs) So uh, I, I think, I think people outside animation discount 
how much of animation styles is just built on like, we know how to do this. We know we can do this right. We know we can do it well and, and like efficiently. And if we start completely from scratch, we'll be starting completely from scratch and who knows what will happen. Yeah, everything truly is like a learning experience. And I feel like, you know, I'll definitely be interested in like anything in the future also like has this pipeline because I feel like, you know, shows like Roar, like Aquaman, you know, have just like, again, with an artist's eye, just spitballing. Um, but it really just has like a more organic thing, you know, similar to like KO. Um, you know, like you can just like tell like, you know, certain artists, like individual quirks are just like in a scene mm-hmm. or, you know, in a like a certain sequence, like what you mentioned earlier with the bat, you know, and it really just embodies animation. And I feel like, especially with Aquaman, you know, there is like a better balance between, um, you know, like having an action, having a comedy, obviously no discourse comedy. I love to laugh, but I feel like both in Aquaman are just equally as solid. So it's not like an imbalance. And I, I just really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I was going to say something about something you said before that, and then I forget. It's fine. It probably wasn't important. (laughs) (laughs) I got distracted by the compliment. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. In fact, like, as I check my bullets, um, because, like, me, like, I I always like to follow, like, a set rule set or whatever, but we've just been, like, cruising through stuff, like, almost on schedule, and, like, I've only had to, like, check, check my notes, like, what, like, once or twice? So... This is like oh yeah, perfect. <laughs> I am real good at talking. <laughs> one of my main strengths, actually, not a ma- not writing, not number one strength. Number one strength, talking. Number two strength, writing the things I said down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe you could have been a content creator in another life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's a formal question that I have. So, I remember reading an article on Cartoon Brew saying that a writer from live-action TV insisted young writers don't know their roots in terms of TV history. And you said basically that it pays to know the roots, but also older writers should be interested in what younger people can bring to the table. Do you mind elaborating on why it's important to embrace different backgrounds and perspectives and their impact on writing good material? Oh, sure. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember that. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think how to elaborate. I mean... I did a pretty good tweet thread about it. So check it out. Uh, (laughs) But also, uh, yeah. uh, But uh, yeah, I guess all I'm saying is that like it, it feels to me that if, and I think, I think the problem is that sometimes people are hiring younger writers only because they uh, don't have the money to hire people who have a lot of experience. And that's unfortunate because I think Mm. you should be excited to hire younger writers and you should be, feel lucky that you have them. Uh, And I, I guess the thing is, you know, I was pretty young when I got my first staff writing job. I was like 23 when I started working on Mad. So I sort of had wow. this experience of being significantly younger than most of my coworkers. And it just felt like, yeah, there were like old shows and references that I didn't get because I like wasn't alive when those things came out. And I I do have a feeling of like, oh, I should check that out. Oh, I should watch this. I should learn. Like the things I don't know, I do want to learn. And yeah. so it seems weird to me that older people don't recognize that that goes both ways. And if there's newer media that you don't know and your younger writer does, you should want to know about that. Uh, And you should be excited that this someone has brought to you a cultural reference that must be important to someone because they have it uh, and you don't know it. Um, And also, I mean, the, the, 
the thing I was responding to was someone being like upset that younger writers like didn't know specific episodes of old television. Uh, and so part of what I was saying was like, yeah, I do think if you're going to be a TV writer, especially there is a lot of value in knowing and watching some of the famous episodes of the famous shows. But I think that if you are a show runner and you think it's important that people have seen these specific episodes, cause like, you know, that you reference them a lot, or you know that like, Oh, your personal shorthand is to say like, Oh, like that thing in mash. And I think that's really valid and a perfectly good way to be just you have to show it to them then you have to take a day and be like what we're doing today is watching five foundational episodes of sitcoms that i personally think are really important even if you don't think they're amazing i just need you to know what i'm talking about because i'm going to reference them a lot (laughs) uh and i just think you that should be part of your job as a supervisor if you if there's if there are things like that like if you're going to be annoyed that someone hasn't seen the finale of cheers you show it to him then because you can't count on, you can't expect someone to have seen that necessarily. Uh, but Hey, if you want to watch uh, every single episode of cheers, uh, I just did that. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I was, I was about to say, Hey, is that a, is that a vertical integration plug? I smell. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Cheers is like not, a, not a Warner brothers show. <laughs> that would be I, 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 friends. I, I, I would have said, oh, you know what? I would have said Big Bang Theory if I really wanted to plug yeah. uh, plug <laughs> HBO Max. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you can you can watch insert program here on yeah. HBO Max. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> I, I, did not, I did not. I did not. I I did not do that. Oh, you, you know the the one to watch on HBO Max is Fresh Prince of Bel Air. It's all on there. Check it the hell out. It holds up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, when you're this mentioning is a story all about how we turned an executive boardroom upside down. <laughs> 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 when you're mentioning that like watching everything episodes like the the whole thing ben said about like being a content creator in your past life you know whatever you know i'm just saying you know like quinn reviews like literally just has a monopoly of just like watching like every single episode stuff like icarly or victorious or whatever just like mm-hmm. really digging deep like hey like i'm just saying ben's like he, <laughs> technically he's on your territory with like nick sitcom so <laughs> hey <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah de- definitely <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd have to really eat out my space but uh yeah mm-hmm. certainly i i th- i think i think toward t- more towards what marley was was saying yeah definitely definitely there's a lot of sort of generational bias where sort of newer things are discounted and you know even even as a content creator myself, I've really more grown up with a lot of the like, you know, 2010 stuff being more my forte rather than say, you know, 2000s fair or 90s fair that's so, you know, you know, hailed in in the cartoon space. And so having to sort of kind of make my own case for for those sorts of things. What's what's your favorite like teen, 20 teens show? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Here we go. Um, Probably. Bonus episode. (laughs) Bonus episode. <laughs> I'm just interested. I'm just interested because that's the era I was working in, and so like I know what things I think are cool. But I want you know I was an adult, so it's not like I was watching. I am. Everything. I am partial to. I am partial to two shows actually, particularly Breadwinners and Sanjay and Craig from uh, Nickelodeon. Oh, you know, right, right in the right in the mid 2010s. Just Breadwinners. I talk, I've talked about in sort of a rebuttal to a. I've been meaning to talk about it at length in detail, but I have said some of it in sort of a rebel to sort of a bad faith take. But like the world building and the and the the amount they invested into really fleshing out that world into something that's really creative and really expansive and that has a lot of potential is something that kind of gets lost in 
sort of the you know it being derived for like you know the humor it had or whatever hey then, you don't gotta tell me gary doodles and steve boris worked on mad with me they're they're my <laughs> friends i think they hey, i love breadwinners well then. <laughs> hey he's a perfect guest <laughs> <laughs> it, it all it all connects. Yeah, breadwinners is great. All, what I what I love get the board out. Let's get the court yeah, board what out. What I love about bread what I love it. about breadwinners is that they did the old like silly symphonies, merry melodies, Looney Tunes thing of setting the whole cartoon to music, but with modern music. Like they didn't right. actually cop they didn't copy yeah. silly symphonies. They just took that philosophy and yeah. and did it. And the music was like as much a part of the show as the art and the writing and the voice acting. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah, they really they really did an amazing job at like really building a very unique aesthetic that took a lot of influences and just really made it their own and really crafted something that I'm not sure we're going to see again in, in animation, kids TV, whatever, for a very long time. Yeah, I'll be a, I'll I'll be really excited. I mean, sooner or later, Gary's going to do another big project in his style because it's amazing and he has to. And I'm really excited for whatever that's going to end up being. Oh, yeah. Like, honestly, that's like something that I can like relate to, because like like when you're when you're a kid, um, just like growing up with cartoons, you you end up like going down like one of two paths. You're either like someone who just like likes cartoons, or you're weird like me who actually like, looks at the credits. So you end up like actually paying attention to like people's work over time. And like when you see someone who's like signature like writing style or just like art style, you know you want to keep up with that. You know a lot of um, I will be honest, a lot of the reason that I've kept up with uh, Warner Brothers animation, especially um stuff like including an aftermath was because of the fact that I knew Mark Merrick uh, was working on that stuff. And Mark Merrick is like one of my favorite creators because of his work on Kablam. So I'm like, oh, he's working on that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it can't be oh. like anything less than 7 out of 10. It's got to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mark, you know, Mark was the running the art side of Mad. Uh, Mark helped us out on Right Now Kapow. He was a producer on Right Now Kapow. He boarded a lot of sketches uh, directly for us. Uh, you know, Yabba, I did with Mark. Like, uh, you know, I was also really into Kablam and really into Henry and June. And ha- the fact that so much of my career has been working directly with one of my, you know, heroes, Mark Merrick, has been a, a truly an honor. Yeah, I can imagine, honestly. Um, and just like a, just like a side thing, uh, you mentioned uh, Brian Crandon earlier. And if I remember correctly, um when this is like years before I actually like started my whole quote unquote YouTube journey, um, but I remember like finding um a board for um like a right like a pal sketch that like um he wrote, but I think like Mark boarded because it was on his website, and mm. and feel free because I very vaguely remember it, but I have a feeling like if anyone would remember, it would probably be like one of the people who helped make the show. Mm. Um, so it was the. So it was a coconut lady um, who was like like a school teacher, or whatever, like in the classroom, and mm-hmm. I, I think like the 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 moon character was like a was like a like posh kid, and he just had a bunch of like hound dogs, and I yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah. I know that oh, sketch. The, the yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, of course I know that sketch. Also, uh, the fully animated version of that is one of the ones that is on YouTube. I think. Oh, thank um, God. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% sure you can find the actual animation of that one. Yeah, Brian Condon wrote that. Uh, Mark boarded it, and so he put the boards uh, on his website. 
and uh, yeah, no, that's that's an amazing sketch. That's a uh, yeah. Uh, so it's it's Moon, it's Moonhead, uh, voiced by Baron Vaughn, uh, doing his best uh, little posh boy. Uh, uh, a very one of his many. Here's the thing, uh, Baron Vaughn. Oh boy, he's someone who you know he's in right now. You know, I knew him from stand up comedy in like Boston and New York because um, I used to do live comedy, uh, and so I knew Baron from that. And then you know he's such a good actor and. He, you know, he was in Right Now Kapow with us. He was Donatello in Batman versus Ninja Turtles. Like mm-hmm. he's he's someone who I have not been able to cast in every single thing I've worked on, but it's a regret every time because I would love to cast Baron in everything I have ever yeah. worked on. Uh, <laughs> and he's so good as that little boy. But yeah, it's the this sketch where it's they're they're voting on a class field trip. Yeah. And the pre- the premise of the sketch is the teacher is like, all right. So we have a tiebreaker. We've got like five votes for planetarium, five votes for nature walk and one vote for fox hunting. And whoever (laughs) voted for fox hunting, whoever that might be, if he would please just change his vote so we could make a decision. And then you pan over to this little kid in riding gear sitting on his horse being like, well, we will never know who that little boy may be, but uh, maybe we should reconsider this fox hunting. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, and then it just goes from there and it's yeah a really really great sketch <laughs> i really love Manic it for sure and i mean that in the best <laughs> way obviously um and i think this will probably be my um obviously unless you have uh more more to say because I, I love talking about renica pow but i feel like my personal final tangent and just to tie this back to a previous episode um did you want to elaborate on on the sketch that Asterios helped uh, helped write the math. Oh, I mean he, yeah, yeah. I mean he did a he did he did at least three sketches for us. Uh, certainly two. Uh, mm-hmm. Elaborate on the math magician. Uh, no, uh, I've listened to that episode. Asterios described it right. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the only the only thing I can elaborate is just how Asterios got involved, which is so we had three staff writers on the show. Uh, which was Steve Clemens, Brian Condon, and Josie Campbell. But we had money uh, set aside to reach out to freelance writers to write like a couple sketches for us. Uh, and we, we we did is we reached out to a lot of our like favorite comedians that we were fans of. So we a lot of people who had written for uh, Onion News Net, like the Onion News Network videos, um, <laughs> people who had been doing stuff like that. They were like kind of like as an excuse to email them, being like, "Hey, we're we're." comedy writers you should want to know who we are here's some money uh and uh and asterios uh i also used to do Asterios is a little different because we used to do comedy with asterios uh back in in boston and, and then out in la uh and we were really excited to be able to ask him to write a few sketches for us and yeah i think math magician is is definitely the standout uh, of the ones and also i think the one that most stars a character he obviously would have played in one of his normal sketches like the math <laughs> magician like kyle canane did it in the show and it was amazing but like if you read those lines in asterios's voice it works like you can like yeah exactly it's it's an asterios style character for sure god like i've got to find it but i literally like end up like redrawing one of those caps like for it to look like asterios but no yeah i mean it, we, um <laughs> there is a, it was, I'm, I'm, that was the idea without, because that was the thing is like, because, you know, we had like 500 sketches or whatever and 89, 90% of them were written by the same 
mostly three people. And then me, the part of the, the weird thing about producing animation is it's hard to have time to also write the animation. Uh, so because right. me and Justin were also overseeing, you know, we are not artists, but we still had to oversee and approve all of the art and go to all every meeting and every, all the post-production and sound recording. And like, there's just so many meetings and pro and things to approve when you're show running an animated show that like as much as you know i am a comedy writer i love writing sketches so little of the sketches in right now kapow were initially conceived of and written by me um mm -hmm. almost all of them were initially like you know we would do our punch-ups and if like i had an idea for a line i could put it in which is the fun part about being in charge uh <laughs> but <laughs> uh, most of the sketches were, were originally like conceived of and written by our three staff writers. And so we, we definitely wanted to strategically use our freelance money to get some other voices in there and some other tones and mix it up. So you hopefully wouldn't notice that three very tired people had written every single one of the sketches on this show. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I think that, I think that's something that like, I honestly like find it interesting it's because of the fact that you guys like reach out to people who like don't normally have roots in tv animation or to get like a fresh perspective on things you know i think that's just like really interesting i don't know if like other shows tend to do that and like feel free like correct me if i'm wrong but you know yeah i think every show is different i mean I, yeah i think it was the same thing with the actors too like you know, a few of the actors we cast had done some cartoons before because they're good at it. But for the but we cast them because we were fans of them as live performers. Like everybody that we cast was someone that we were aware of as a stage performer. And we just mm -hmm. we really wanted that energy. Like we wanted it. We 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 really wanted to write the kind of sketch show we would write for a state for a stage or for live action and then animate it. And I don't think that's the right approach for all cartoons it's probably not even the right approach for most cartoons uh you know something like something like no i mean seriously like something like thundercats or aquaman that really is a cartoon first and it's it, it lives and, and breathes and dies as a cartoon and it's the only form this could ever take i think is great and i love being able as a writer i love being able to work on cartoons like that because i could never do that myself um mm -hmm. but for 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 better or worse the the idea of right now kapow was to really merge a sort of live action stage sketch sensibility with animation and have that like uh connect uh whatever confluence of of things we knew we knew those were disparate we knew those weren't the same thing we were going to try to smoosh them together Right. I I, th I think I think that really sort of shown through in the execution and how it how everything played out and it's it's really going to go up there in one of those you know right right up there with one of those you know in those few shows that really try and sort of merge two different kinds of formats right up there with your like your total drama or your you know you know your you know one of the, one of the anthologies that CN's made or whatever just one yeah. of those yeah. things that really marries you know very very unusual concepts that you would you wouldn't necessarily expect to see in animation with animation and i think that's a really that's i think as as a viewer and as a as a person who's interested in television i think that's a really interesting angle and a really interesting claim to stake and i think that i think that you should be proud of of being able to really carve out that angle honestly oh yeah. thank you no i mean i i really am i mean the the thing about here here's the pitch i'll make for uh, trying to create uh, your own completely unique animated show that it's just could only be made by you. A, you get paid more if you create the show. So that's the first reason to do it. Uh, <laughs> but the second, the second reason to do it is that if you make a show that really truly is what you wanted to make and that nobody else ever could have made, 
obviously I don't love that it wasn't successful, but it's not like it tarnishes my feelings about the show. I'm just so incredibly proud of it. I'm so yeah. incredibly ha- happy yeah. that I did it. Proud of everybody who worked on it. Grateful for everybody who worked on it. I mean, also, you know, especially in animation when I'm a writer, like the show would not exist without all of the people who worked on it and did such yeah. an amazing job. We had, you know, r- such great artists and, uh, and directors and actors and everybody. And I think sometimes if you take a, sh- a job that's a little more of an assignment and then it's not that successful, there could be this feeling of like, ah, why'd I do that? Uh, but if you <laughs> do something that's like completely you, it, they can't take that away. Like it's, we made it, it's there. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, continuing my, I have a version of the money burning uh, joke for right now, Kapow, <laughs> uh, which is, I don't, I don't think of it as a, a failed TV show. I think of it as a really successful heist because <laughs> we just, we just took, you know, it was, it wasn't a big budget show, but animation is expensive. You know, we took millions of dollars and gave it to our favorite artists, <laughs> and uh, we successfully did that. It was split up among a lot of people. No one person got a million dollars, but all together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. There are definitely worse ways to, to steal money from a conglomerate. You know. Ocean's Capel. Yeah, yeah, Ocean's Capel. So, yeah, but, no, but I'm, yeah, I'm, it, at the very least, it, it goes down in, in the record books, in the annals of history, in the kids TV canon. And that's that's really important, even if. <laughs> Even if it only is like a Wikipedia link on a list of programs broadcast by Disney XD for some people. Yeah, if you're yeah. clicking through every show every ever on yeah. Disney XD, we're on there. We're on that list. Yeah. Yeah. And there, I'll there, definitely there say are some this. people who are there are some people who will be, you know, really inspired to really seek it out and to really bring it up again. Yeah. I mean the the cool thing oh, yeah. about it and you know I mean we're experiencing it exists. And yeah, that's the I mean, beautiful part. The cool thing about it, and we're experiencing this right now, is when I do meet someone who has seen it, it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll definitely say this, you know, um, I, I really think that, like, as time progresses, you know, like, more people are eventually going to find Kapow. Because, like, you know, some of the other stuff we've mentioned, uh, you know, like Pickle and Peanut, you know, like uh, Breadwinners, you know, we, I don't think we directly mentioned it, but, you know, like Sanjay and Craig, you know, like, you know, people who, like, grew up with that stuff or, you know, just appreciate in general are beginning to, like, speak out more and just, like, show their appreciation. Yeah. So I'm actually really looking forward to, you know, all of these shows, really, just, like, being able to, like, get, like, a second chance, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, one thing is, like, I know as a kid, I had no conception of what shows were successful or not. Like, it was a surprise to me sometimes to learn that shows I really liked had only really had one season and didn't really do that well, because I didn't care. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's that is one cool thing about your audience being kids is they don't know about that stuff. And if they like it, they just like it. And it doesn't it's the same to them as all the other stuff they like. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's people like us who dive into the ratings and dive into all the <laughs> all the math and science behind. Television. Well, I mean that, I mean that really happened with Mad. Like when we were actually making Mad, it was you know the the adults on Twitter, the adults on YouTube and stuff didn't like it. Like yeah. everyone liked Adventure Time and Regular Show. Nobody really liked Mad. But uh, a there was this weird Mad. There was a Mad Wiki that had 
tons and tons. It was super well researched. They kept track of every sketch we ever did, every character we ever used, how many times like we used Mario, like how many times we referenced iCarly. They would just track all of that. Uh, and then also in the in like the comment section of that, there would just be like a hundred. I truly believe actual small children just guessing the parodies they thought would be in the next week's episode. Uh, oh, and wow. and that was wow. really cool. But then also now that all those kids are older. Like when some old mad sketch does get posted on like Twitter or something now, all the comments are people being like, oh, man, I watched that when I was 10. I love this show. Yeah. And it's really cool because we weren't really getting that when it was actually on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the, the nostalgia doesn't doesn't work from our perspective unless the, the executives come calling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, what? one one day. One day the nostalgia will come to the 2010s. Yeah. And, and, wi- and, while, and while Nickelodeon is selling me a sway sway hat, I, I hope, <laughs> I, I sincerely hope that Warner Media Discovery comes calling <laughs> and says, hey, you, you, uh, you want to make another season for HBO Max? Yeah, yeah, we could, uh, we could do it. Oh, but, I mean, we even have, I, I said this on, on Twitter uh, I mean, it's not really, I don't know, it's not a secret, who cares? Uh, we have an hour. <laughs> We have an hour of unreleased right now Kapow sketches that we're going to be in season two. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. We don't wait. even need them to. All we need is like $30,000 to do the audio mixing. And then we'd have an extra hour of right now Kapow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh. So I guess we do got to rally up that hashtag, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I can't crowdfund it because I don't own it. I would Warner Brothers would have to want to do it. But right. <laughs> it, it's, it is there. <laughs> yeah, we thought we were so clever banking extra sketches. We we're like, season two is going to be so easy, and then it was. It was really easy. We didn't even have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> they were uh, like, "No, don't even worry about it." And we're like, "Okay, that is really easy." <laughs> uh, uh, but but yeah, um, I will just say, you know, and especially just like coming from someone who was like what in like sixth or seventh grade, you know, when like Mad was just like airing on Cartoon Network and you know it, it, it was my shit back then you know, like I didn't mind but it was like a story driven show or a comedy cartoon I liked almost everything so yeah it's yeah. just been yeah. great to just, I like, liked really I liked all those shows I obviously I liked Adventure Time and regular show and I liked what we yeah. were doing on Mad but I liked Robotomy I liked uh, Secret Mountain Fort Awesome I no liked Uncle Grandpa about them. No one Robotomy about them. Robotomy you. was really Thank Robotomy you. was really good it was freaking super jail for children for it was on television <laughs> There ah. was you know people who turned their look Adventure Time is the best show of that era. I'm not going to pretend it isn't. But yeah. people who turned their TVs off afterwards were missing out. <laughs> Absolutely. <Darn right. laughs> Absolutely. Uh. It was like a blinking mythosaurus show. Like, <laughs> I, I liked it. You know, just like, yeah. you no, know, like on a playground, you had like the Adventure Time kids, you had the regular show kids, <laughs> and, you know, you had me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh. who we were making shows for. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> But yeah, this has been great. Do you wanna do you wanna pivot into some Q and A stuff? Yeah, sounds great. All right, so I'll try to have bre- I'll try I'll try to have concise answers. Yes, <laughs> sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're right to not believe me. <laughs> well, uh, say, I, um, I I I know because I did a two hour episode with Cash. So <laughs> yeah, it was a so, my first guest. 
I, I, yeah. I, 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 no, I know. I mean, I'm going to, you know, I'll plug it at the end, but I, I have a podcast that my uncles listen to. Uh, and uh, every episode we're like, are we even going to have anything to say about this one? And then two hours. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I will say um, in case like, <laughs> I will say just in case like any of the questions um like touch on like stuff we might have already discussed, I don't have to go like as in detail. But you know that yeah. say. Okay. That sounds great. Alright. So uh first one from uh Talia Pepper. Hi Talia. Hey uh Hi Marley. Hi Talia. Talia has to listen to see if we answer her question. <laughs> <laughs> All according to plan. <laughs> All going accordion to play him. <laughs> but yes, uh, Talia's question is, uh, here's a cue for you. Whether you're in a leadership position or not, what are some ways to foster good morale at work in a genuine way? Okay, well, I would say if you're not in a leadership position, I mean, it's good to have a good attitude, but it's definitely not your job to foster uh, good morale in the whole show. So don't uh, <laughs> don't put that don't don't put, you know, try to be a pleasant person. But also, if you're in a bad mood, you can just you don't have to talk to anybody. Uh, you could just yeah. do your do do your job and keep to yourself. That's allowed. Uh, so definitely don't put that self on yourself if you're not in a supervisory position. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, if you are uh, in a supervisory position and so then morale is is part of your job. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, the easiest thing is like the best way to keep a morale is don't don't stress people out. Like, you know, try to make sure the schedules are doable and try to make sure the the atmosphere and the tone of the of the workplace is friendly. Like, you know, the best way to keep people happy is don't make them unhappy. Uh, is the easiest thing to do. Um, but as far as trying to like actively keep morale up, I would say the biggest thing is like, if you're, and you know, this, this advice is for not, you know, if so, if you're, if you are a showrunner, if you're the executive producer or whatever, the head of the show, it is important. Like you're going to have ups and downs and you're going to have disappointments. And there's going to be times when you are unhappy with how what's happening on the show. And it, it, I think it's important that you mostly keep that to yourself or the other producers or the other studio heads. And that if you go into every meeting with like, oh, everything's falling apart and uh, the show's not good and the studio doesn't like it and we're everything's late, even though everybody probably knows all those things are happening, like you can't have that attitude. You have to be like, all right, team, we're going to do it. And here's our plan. And we're not going to, you know, no one's going to have to kill themselves, but here's how we're going to fix this stuff. And show's going to be great. Uh, and I think that's, that's important. I think if the, the people at top basically are like in a bad mood, everyone ends up in a bad mood. Yeah, exactly. So like if you foster, you know, just like a level of like, no, assuredness like confidence and that like inspires like everyone else to just like you know not only like trust you but like trust the work that they are capable of at least i imagine yeah and- <laughs> uh and and you know run, you know unfortunately uh i mean working in animation at all is stressful because it's a high stakes uh high pressure environment unfortunately we try our best to make it nice but it's there's some inevitable pressure uh and you know running a show is just even more pressure because you're at the top of it and basically what i would say is you are going to be stressed out and you are going to need to talk about that with people and you should talk about that with uh, a therapist or other people you know who run other shows or just your friends who don't work in animation but try not to like unload all of that on the people who are essentially your employees because it's not their job to help help you right (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that was a great nugget let's see okay uh my cringe side uh (laughs) um question (laughs) 
I know it's you, Marley, have been for WB for a long time at this point. How's your relationship with Warner Brothers like? Oh, so great. Just more Marley and Warner Brothers, a thousand years, Marley and Warner Brothers.com, uh, forever <laughs> and ever. Uh, it's you, you and me, Marley Warner Brothers, having adventures. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it's, uh, I, 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 it's it's great. I, it's a really good environment. I really like the executives. I really like my coworkers. Uh, I get to I get to when we go back in the office. I get to walk the halls of some of my animation heroes who still work there, which is uh, amazing. You know, Bruce Tim. Bruce Tim. We used to just be down the hall. I would see him doing taking his smoke breaks. So like, how cool <laughs> is that? <laughs> you know, this is just uh, like something that like I've uh, noticed myself. You know, just like managing the show. Obviously, I'm glad for any guest that comes on here, but I think like at least like 75% of them have like come from Wonder Purpose Animation. <laughs> I mean, to be perfectly honest, I think it's kind of a domino effect because like I see like Talia and like Kareen and I'm like, well, I want to do that. <laughs> it looks so much fun. Do I win free toaster or the next guess I get? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a, a conglomerate punch card. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get 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 ten guests on from a conglomerate, and you and you get you get a free. Yeah, but you, you got to hurry because we're gonna. You got to hurry because we're gonna switch conglomerates. It's Warner Media right now. It's gonna be Warner Discovery pretty soon. Yeah. It's gonna be. A, they're gonna yeah, issue yeah. a new punch when, card. Yeah. When do you get? When do you, when do you get on the guy that's ninety day fiance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, gotta... but but yeah, I think it's. I I still I still think it's like really super wild. To think that like some of the people that you that you might look up to in you know in your in your dream career are not necessarily as far away as you think they are, and just sort of a, just yeah. just even a just even you painting that picture of Bruce Tim just be just you know chilling out like out taking a smoke break is is insane to yeah. me as, as, as a <laughs> no. layman. It's and, and, it's, and, and it's I, insane I, to I've me. No, I've got to know a couple people uh, who do. Who who like actually do television things? I I know uh, there's another uh, animation staffer. I know a British a British guy who does who writes like quiz shows and uh, other stuff like that. And 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 we we've gotten close in a way that I wouldn't necessarily think that prof- like professional people would necessarily would necessarily be. But then it's it's really cool to have that kind of a conversation and to sort of again just sort of pass by these people and you know like digitally on the street as it were and and Mm -hmm. and know that you have a rapport with yeah i mean i i mean that's been day one for me i mean alan burnett who hired me uh initially i mean in addition to being uh like one of the producer story editors of batman the animated series as the right on the writing side which obviously is a huge deal he wrote the ducktales movie uh (laughs) which is uh (laughs) Which is which is awesome, and also when I told him that I was a fan of the Ducktales movie, he was like, "Why? Why would you like that?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, that that's a right two-hour video to say, not the guy who made it. <laughs> yeah, not the guy who made the movie. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he uh, like what he also uh, he worked on SWAT Cats. Um, and there, there was for a while, there was a fan petition to try to reboot SWAT cats. And like when they would get in touch with Alan, he'd be like, leave me alone. I don't want to do that. (laughs) 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 Call, call me back when the executives are pushing me into it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Get call call me back when I got I got <laughs> I got one more. There's seven million dollars riding on it for 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 the yeah exactly. I mean you're talking about I mean if you're, you're talking about 2010s versus like 2000s or 90s, but you know a lot of my stories are from my coworkers who were working in animation in the 80s. Uh, wow. So like you know uh, my my other favorite Alan story is just uh, I was talking to him because he also wrote on Smurfs, and I was like. <laughs> what was that like? I watched Smurfs and he was like, that got me up to a pack a day. I mean, to be fair, the eighties was a bit of a rough time for a lot of, in, for a lot of the, when you think of the way that we think about animated content and kids TV now, that sort of the, the whole ideal wasn't even there in the eighties. Like, like well, I mean, just the whole, fact, like, there was a I mean, just the fact, like, I happened since. So, you know, I, I, I think I did a tweet about this a while ago, but like, people talk about like, I don't know, like animation, like reboots and remakes and how like, oh, it's all like soulless cash grabs, whichever, which by the way, I really don't like the term cash grab because all television is an attempt to make cash. Uh, so it seems weird to me to make a distinction between, I don't think the, <laughs> these people are trying to make money in a way I like, and these people are trying to make money in a way I don't like, because well, 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 everyone's speaking, trying to, the studio wants all of the, the shows term. to make money. You uh, use the term, like I'm... I'm of course aware of that and like <laughs> aware of things work, but there's sort of, it, it's kind of implied that the, it, it's, it's perceived to be an easier bet creatively to not go through the whole process of building, you know, an original concept up and just sort of taking whatever you have off the shelf and, you know, throwing it back out onto people rather than, you know, yeah, Actually I mean, I, I the risk and sort of it, it's it it is ultimately the same money being expended when you you know you still have to go through the process of actually making the thing. But from a but from a conceptual standpoint, where a lot of the a lot of the critical viewing public stays, that there there's not necessarily a lot of deep knowledge and insight into like it's actually you know the same process for the most part. But from yeah. the from the sort of the creative standpoint, it feels. It, it feels less um, cr- uh, creatively, um, morally strong, morally honest. For, for, it, it feels more noble to to put out to give someone the opportunity to put out an original concept into the world than it than it appears to just churn out you know a bunch of reboots of things thirty from thirty years old. Yeah, and you know, I mean, obviously. I'm a very big fan of original content. I've I've done as uh, as much original stuff uh, as I've been able. I also really like adapting stuff. Uh, but what I guess what I'm saying is, regardless of 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 the definition of the word cash grab, which I guess I probably opened it up to a larger, more complicated conversation. But when people <laughs> talk about animation being especially in that era right now, I think we're really forgetting that in like the seventies and eighties, they made a Gilligan's Island cartoon show where Gilligan goes to space. Like they made a cartoon where Fonzie from the happy days has a time machine. Like cartoons were weird and, and like they've always been weird and people have always just been trying to do whatever they think will stick. And honestly, they've always thought something they already know is the best is the most likely thing to stick. I mean, even if you go to like, you know, one of the greatest original animated TV shows of all times is the Flintstones and it's just the honeymooners. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sort of, sort of of setting the, setting the tone for kind of adapting, you know, maybe something that, that work that we more often see in live action 
to an animated context, you know, just definitely beginning the pedigree that you would then continue. Several yeah. decades so uh, I just think it's I, I think it's a, a little bit of a the more things change, the more they stay the same situation. And I, yeah. I agree that there's good. I basically I agree that there's good and bad. I just don't know that I think it's all that different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's definitely there's definitely questions of nuance, and especially with more players when it tr- comes to who's actually making content. There's definitely more of an opportunity to really dredge through these things. And again, online content discussion is in its prime right now. And, and well, it's, really in its, lo- it's in over its over the past, like, you know, five, 10 years. So we, we now not only are, not only are we aware of all these things happening, we have the tools to discuss them and bring a lot of laymen and a lot of people who who, you know, who are at varying degrees of actually understanding the inner workings into the discussion. And so yes. there's a lot of, there's a lot more awareness now than there, than there might've been sort of in the past. And especially, especially because a lot of us are sort of, you know, younger folks who may not necessarily be so familiar with, you know, how things were, you know, in say the seventies or the eighties per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless, I mean, unless there's like and, real, and, you know, like uh, there are real enthusiasts who really work into the history. And I really appreciate yeah. that. I mean, that kind of goes, that goes back well. to my thing about you can't expect young people to know all of your cultural references, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I agree with. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah so, I mean, I, I agree with that. I guess the, the thing that I wish people were more uh, aware of is that like, like, for example, I don't know if you were on I don't know if you were on Twitter today, uh, but you may have noticed that they announced a revival of X-Men, the animated series. Yeah. Um, uh, X-Men 97. Yeah. So if you noticed when they did that, every single action animation writer in the world responded, (laughs) oh, shoot, I wish I could write on this. And that that comes from a lot of people have a legitimate, genuine desire to work on versions of their favorite thing. And Mm -hmm. even though. The opportunity to do that is because studios obviously think it's a, a good way to try to make money, but they there are no shortage of people that very deeply want to do that. And it's come and there's no shortage of people where these projects are coming from a very genuine uh, place of creative drive. Uh, and it's uh, obviously I wish that there were just as many opportunities for the people with a very genuine drive to create original content because I would like to see all of these shows. Um, yeah. But I guess that's that's the only thing is I it's making a show is too hard to do it if you don't care about it. And so almost nobody does that. Yeah. Uh, you know, every now and then you get someone, you know, writing Smurfs and smoking a pack a day. But I think that especially <laughs> in this day and age, that is the minority. And I think yeah, most people I would, I working would in animation are able to find a show that they at least were excited about the idea of, even if maybe afterwards they're like, oh, I didn't like doing that at all. Yeah, I but like they did it because they thought, but they that. did it because they thought it was going to be really cool. Yeah, yeah, right. definitely. I've, I've definitely, I've definitely grown into sort of the, the, the belief that you know no one wants to make a bad show. Obviously. Yeah, and and even and even when shows come out that execute poorly or that don't necessarily work in perhaps the way that might have been hoped for or intended, there there's not. You can only lay the blame on, on the on the product. Really, you can't necessarily. And I, I've been tiptoeing around my response to Thundercat's roar because uh, <laughs> I may have may I may have staked uh, quite a claim <laughs> on uh, a very popular video uh, 
even though I wasn't, I, even though I wasn't a, uh, such, I wasn't as bad uh, in in dissecting it as a lot. I've seen a lot of other takes on it, but but I mean, you couldn't be the worst because there was a lot of actual Nazis in the mix. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was that was a mess. I I I caught I caught a trend and it worked for me, but that whole moment was a mess, and I. I, I I've been wondering. Do I I've been wondering like do I apologize to you for my for contributing to that? <laughs> but yeah, but you know, Howard no, Stern on you. Yeah, yeah. None well, you know what? I'll t- I'll, I'll tell you bad. the good news. I'll tell you the good news. The uh, the the hate on Thundercats was so massive. I have not actually read every single one. Uh, if you ever said anything bad about right now, Kapow or Mad or yeah, but really anything else I ever worked on, I probably saw it. Uh, but Thundercats, <laughs> it was too much, so I had to stop. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, no, no one no one comes into and, and any of these creative projects willing to make a bad show and. Or, or wanting to make a bad show, rather. And so you kind of have to understand that there's a lot of good intention and a lot of good faith from the people. I mean, just, I would just also... Not, it just might not... It might not execute well. It might not be received well. I would also... The other well. thing I would add, and I... You and know, you can't necessarily... I, I'm, I've also been... People. Yeah, the other thing I would also add, and I've also been tiptoeing around this stuff because, you know, I don't like to get into it too much because it doesn't do anybody any good. But I would also throw out there for the animation discourse community, in addition to everything you just said, also making a bad cartoon show, not a crime. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, also correct. (laughs) Also, even the people who have made a bad show, not criminals. So calm down, everybody. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, I will definitely say... Um, you know, and sometimes it's okay to like a quote unquote bad show. And I am speaking as someone who has been working on a whole review slash retrospective of a show that the internet hated and lasted for six half hours just because no one else, uh, me and like, like five to seven people, no one else on, on the internet is going to argue about it in good faith. So I figured, Hey, why not? Oh, what <laughs> can you, is, can can you tease it? Can you tell what's the show? Oh, um, it was a uh, magical girl friendship feel. squad. Um, it was oh, on, it was heard... on sci-fi. It was on yeah, sci-fi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think I watched some of that. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, for any of our listeners who are listening, um, if you donate any amount on coffee, you can see a <laughs> preview right now. Wink, wink. <laughs> wink, should, wink, sh- nudge, nudge. <laughs> they should get on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, like, I, I, <laughs> oh, I'll definitely. I agree. <laughs> but nah, <laughs> but nah, it's definitely like, interesting to just like think about. Um, again, like this, like blossomed to like, its own like bonus episode. But well, I really can. Well, actually, I can. One one thing I can say because you said that I uh, that from your perspective there wasn't anyone saying anything good or bad about right now Kapow. They just weren't talking about it. But let me right. tell you, I found I found the people saying bad things about it. Uh, and uh, it, that one was interesting. It was it was completely different than the like reboot remake conversation we're having now. It's part of the mm-hmm. reason why the reboot remake backlash took me completely by surprise. I, I'll admit mm-hmm. I knew. I knew about the sort of weirdness around Teen Titans Go, but to me that felt so specific to that show that I just didn't think that would ever happen to anybody else. Uh, so yeah. I obviously have more sympathy now for my yeah. good friends who work on Teen Titans Go. 
<laughs> uh, less said the better but 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 that but, uh, show, that show has its own troubles yeah so that's its own thing and i literally friends with everyone who works on it uh <laughs> but uh uh so anyway the reason it took me completely by surprise is because when we announced right now kapow the the it was obviously a small response for the most part people just didn't notice but the response yeah. it got especially on cartoon brew because twitter animation discourse was less back then so it wasn't really being talked about on twitter yeah. at all uh yeah. but it, with that we announced our show at kind of the height of industry professionals really paying attention to cartoon brew uh which i think has waned a little bit uh sorry yeah. cartoon brew uh but <laughs> we were we were we were announced at the at the peak of that and when it was announced on cartoon brew so many people were upset that it was original and so many people were like Warner brothers and Disney coming together and it's not Mickey mouse and bugs bunny hanging out and being friends. What the hell? Yeah. Uh, or people being like, my, cause like the, the sort of like, what? <laughs> yeah. So the sort like, of, the, the sort of the like milestone of our show was that it was the first collaboration between Disney and Warner brothers since I framed who framed Roger rabbit. And when they started saying that, I remember being like, don't tell people that that is not what I want to be compared to. Like, yeah, we're, we're just trying to be We're just trying to come on after future worm. We're not trying to be, <laughs> we're, not, we're not trying to be the next coming of who frame Roger rabbit. But I think that's what people wanted. People were like, Oh, this should have a bigger budget. This should be a bigger deal. This should be a monumentous IP laden extravaganza because it's Warner brothers and Disney come together. And right. so because of that, you know, I'll tell you after right now, Kapow, when they were like, Hey, do you want to work on Thundercats roar? I was like, Oh good. A normal one, a nice normal cartoon <laughs> that no one will have any problems with. Oh, <laughs> that no, was my no. reaction <laughs> because I was like, Oh, I made a weird, I was like, Oh, right now Kapow was a weird thing that no one wanted. I better, I better play it safe next time. <laughs> no, you, 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 you stepped right into the most, uh, so, reviled so I mean the, yeah. the, the joke that I had during right now Kapow, and I don't think this is, I don't think this is true anymore. I think this is not the tone on, uh, on animation, but as someone who was a, a, a professional, then I can tell you the discourse at the time back then was not, we're all sick of reboots. We're sick of remakes. Stop doing this. The discourse at the time, the way I described it was, it would be like if they had announced the American office and instead of people just saying, this isn't as good as the British office, which you know, people, some people said, it would yeah. be like if instead people said, why isn't this new episodes of I Love Lucy with the original cast all the age <laughs> they were in the 50s? Because <laughs> that's basically what they were saying. Like you would announce a new cartoon and they'd be like, why didn't Bob Clampett direct this? Or like, because he's dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're, like you're right. Tex Avery was more talented than me. What do you want me to do about that? <laughs> and I think that's because I think at the time animation discourse really was dominated by people whose like formative stuff was the old theatrical cartoons being rerun on TV in like the sixties and seventies and eighties. And yeah. that's what everyone was comparing everything to. And you can't compare TV animation to stuff that was made for adults with big budgets to play in theaters. Like there's a yeah. reason Looney Tunes is so good. And it's that it was more like, you can't compare Looney Tunes to a TV show. You got to compare Looney Tunes to a Pixar movie. Like that was the amount of resources yeah. that was being put into it. And all and yeah. Looney Tunes even was was low budget compared to the Disney ones, but they're better because they're scrappier. And I love Warner Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I you you gotta you gotta lovingly caress the hand that feeds you. Hey, here's the thing. <laughs> 
about Looney Tunes. Nothing in the world is funnier than Mel Blanc yelling so loud he breaks character voice and it's just real <laughs> Mel Blanc yelling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god. And uh, I can I can praise another one of my coworkers who I uh, adore. One of the things that's so great about Eric Bauza, who does uh, Bugs Bunny now on the new Looney Tunes cartoons, is he doesn't oh, yeah. just mimic Bugs Bunny. He mimics Mel Blanc breaking character. Oh, my God. <laughs> like when Eric, when, when Bauza yells, he does Mel Blanc's real yell. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. He's so talented. Canada's greatest star. Eric Bowser. I mean, Canada, Canada, Canada's greatest star. I mean, greatest I'm not star. Sure you should, I'm not sure nope. I would agree. Uh, take that, I think there's William a lot Shatner. of great talent up there, but <laughs> but definitely Eric has been involved in some great projects over the years. Yeah, and I like him better than Mike Myers. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Eric Bowser. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I mean, if we're, if we're gonna appreciate Eric Bowser, I mean, yes, we'll we'll go there. <laughs> Eric Bowser uh, appreciation post. Oh man, yeah, he he does not need us to do this for him. He's he's so beloved. He's doing great. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. So this this is a beef episode, <laughs> but yes. Um. You know, yeah, we we could like do like a a two for one, and we can just like yeah, uh, discuss the yeah, we can just discuss the questions and like however. Um, so question one uh, comes from uh, Gary Mutant Astronaut. Um, he says Aquaman has been the subject of a lot of comedy, whether it's outright parody or just a lighter tone in general. What do you think it is about his character and stuff that can make out him so well? And Incog uh, Incog underscore M says. How is it working on MAD, and was it an easy or hard task to maintain the spirit of MAD? Okay. Uh, I mean, for MAD, I would probably say we've pretty much talked about that. Uh, yeah. And uh, generally, I would say that it was it was easy to maintain the tone because they had done – there was just so much MAD magazine. It was pretty easy to just read a ton of them and to just absorb the syntax and the language and just be like, oh, a hundred people have written for the magazine. I can be the hundred and first person to do this kind of sketch. Yeah. Uh, the hard part is just actually being funny. That's what's hard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, which is what I would say about MAD. I mean the hardest thing about MAD was that we is that for the main parodies – it couldn't just be you couldn't just have a bunch of jokes about Iron Man. You also had to think, oh, and we'll call it Iron Bland. Uh, and you needed both. It wasn't getting approved unless you came up with the pun. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I would say that <laughs> I would say the puns were the hardest part of Mad. Uh, and uh, as far as Aquaman, Maybe you call me for a Mad. Re- a mad <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm pretty good with puns. If you're that's half, it was literally half the job. Uh, hey, I, I'll I'll sell for I'll sell for Warner Warner Brothers Discovery to throw money at me. <laughs> uh, and then uh, for Aquaman, yeah, I do have a theory about that. I think it is that every single superhero went through a goofy phase in the fifties, and for a lot of them, we collectively decided that goofy phase was a mistake, and we didn't mean it. And here's the serious version of them. 
And then I think for characters like Batman or even Wonder Woman, and honestly, even a little bit Superman, I think for the most part that worked. And people are like, yeah, you're right. Normal Batman is serious. And we can do Brave and the Bold, but we recognize that that's different than normal Batman. Like yeah. people's baseline, people's baseline Batman is serious, even if they, like me, enjoy a comedic Batman. And I think with Aquaman, that same process happened. He got he got goofy in the in the 50s, like everybody did. Uh, and then when they tried and because they certainly have tried to be like, no, no, that was a mistake. Here's the serious Aquaman. I think those things work. Uh, I like like the Peter David Aquaman comics. I like uh, some of the modern Aquaman comics a lot. Uh, obviously, I think you know I think the the James Wan Aquaman movie is really cool and bonkers and and colorful and weird in a ways that I think people who haven't seen it can't even imagine. And you should see it because it's a crazy movie. Uh, I wouldn't even say it's a super serious movie. I would say it no, it's a great adaptation of how Aquaman comics are. But I think there are large portions of the audience. That when presented with, no, 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 this is serious Aquaman, they go, nah, I know that guy, he's silly. <laughs> and it just didn't, it just didn't click. It does, there's a lot of, like, the, for whatever reason, the goofy version of Aquaman, that everybody had a goofy version, his stuck with people. And I think a lot of people kind of prefer it. I think there, I think there are people who don't like Aquaman because they think he's silly and I think they're cowards. Uh, and I think, uh, there are a lot of Aquamans that are into it. They're into the, like, for me, I like that he rides a seahorse. I like that his sidekick is an octopus who plays the drums. Like, I like that he talks to fish. It's cool. If you take that away from him, he's just super strong. And uh, there's a lot of guys who are super strong. Like, you know, they talk about like, well, he can survive in the depth of the ocean. So can all of them. Superman could do that. Wonder Woman could do that. Like, you gotta give him something no one else has. And it's, commanding the beasts of the sea it's cool but it is also a little inherently silly uh so i i that's what i think i think that all superhero all the dc superheroes especially because they're so old they're all from the 30s and 40s like the other thing is like the aquaman comics in the 40s the golden age ones were meant to be taken seriously they just seem kind of goofy because they're so old but that's the case with batman that's the case that's the case with superman anything that old wonder woman used to ride a kangaroo uh, and it was great and she should do it again. And everyone's cowards, uh, but <laughs> they were called Kangas, but they were, they were kangaroos. Yeah. Uh, so like, I just think for whatever Don't reason, your conglomerate ideas. <laughs> I'm trying to give them ideas, please. Are you listening? I would I, give, let, let us do, uh, let us do wonder woman, princess of Thermoskia. We'll do it. <laughs> uh, <sighs> But uh, I'll call it Paradise Island because I like that name better. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I think that for whatever reason, the goofy version of Aquaman has really stuck with people. I think some of it is because of like comedians doing kind of mean jokes about Aquaman, which I think are funny. But I also think color it in a weird way. Also, just those Cartoon Network bumpers they used to do. Not actual Super Friends, where I don't actually think he was any sillier than anyone else. It's the Cartoon Network re-edits of Super Friends that I think gave people the idea that Aquaman was useless outside of the water. Because he wasn't. They would find things for him to do. But everyone remembers that bumper where it's like, Batman, get to the Batmobile. Wonder Woman, get to your jet. Aquaman, go talk to some fish. Uh, And like, that's (laughs) it's funny so it sticks with you but then you you think that's real and you think that that's what he's actually like and he's not he's cool i like aquaman yeah and i'll be honest because like i'm someone who like 
I would never say like I'm like hate like any superhero, but I don't have like nearly as much of an attachment to Aquaman as like some to say like you no know, like Superman, Batman, Spider Man. Uh, but I still find myself like really enjoying Aquaman King of Atlantis. So if that's any consolation, um, obviously I'm not a diehard, but you know if that's any consolation, like I think the way you portrayed the character was great because it wasn't like laughing at his expense, just like knowing who he is. Like yeah, he can like you can laugh like. It's not like laughing at him, like to belittle him, just like laughing at him because, like, no, he does something funny. But he still gets, like, more enough time to shine as, like, an actual capable fighter, a loyal friend, no, a loving, no husband, Tamara, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it's all about yeah. the balance. Yeah, I think one of the biggest, I think a, a big thing that we did is we, you know, we did the jokes about, like, people thinking it was weird that he talked to fish. We did the jokes about people, like, not taking him seriously because he's, like, brand new to being king of Atlantis. And I think the biggest, I think you're right, that the one of the biggest ways we tried to balance it was he was basically unstoppable in combat. Like, you know, he has trouble in chapter two, but that's because the guy's moving too fast. Like, if he had hit if he had punched him, the guy'd be dead. Like Aquaman is so, <laughs> we just, we just made our Aquaman so strong that it's like, yeah, fucking laugh at him. Cause he's going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like I'll just say this much. Um, unless, unless there are any other like lingering tangents, uh, this has been a great, definitely content packed episode. Not going to lie. <laughs> um, I, I will say this, um, if you have, like, anything that um, you want to plug, anything that we can look out for you in the future, you know, feel free to say so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, well, you know, if you want to follow me uh, on Twitter, I'm at, uh, at MarleyHG. Uh, you know, a lot of your questions came from my Twitter threads. So if you want to see those ahead of time before someone asks me about them on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, yeah, I actually just started a uh, podcast with my little brother, uh, younger brother. I always, I've, I've realized it's weird to say little brother when you're both adults and he's taller than me. Uh, but my younger <laughs> brother, my younger brother, uh, which is, uh, it's called Hero Rewatch, uh, which is the, the Twitter is at Hero Rewatch and it's on all the platform uh, podcast platforms I've heard of. Uh, and the premise of our, our podcast is my brother is 12 years younger than me. Um, so we, you know, we're really into, into comics and everything in general, but we, we really were a Marvel household growing up. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm into DC now because I've been working at Warner brothers for 13 years and that's gotten <laughs> me really into DC and I've gone back and read all the comics. Like I'm an expert now. Cause I, I do the, a lot of being a writer is being a researcher and I've, I've done all the research and I've read all the comics and you can't do that and not become a fan. I can agree with that. Uh, and I was yeah. a fan of the, obviously I was a fan of the cartoons. Uh, like that, I was really a, a DC cartoon fan and a Marvel comic fan. Uh, yeah. which works out because I work on DC cartoons. So that's actually worked out great. <laughs> um, but so the premise of our podcast is we're going through and rewatching uh, the Marvel Studios movies in order and talking about how they hold up. And what makes us different than the other thousand podcasts doing that uh, <laughs> is that uh, Iron Man came out a little over 12 years ago. And so me and Austin are 12 years apart in age. So he's the age I was when Iron Man came out. And so the idea is to be like, oh, now you're such a different age than you were. We're in such different parts of our lives. How does it seem to you now? Uh, and that's the that's what we've been doing. And we do uh, we've gotten up to uh, Avengers, and then we did a bonus episode about Superman the movie. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely gonna I'm definitely gonna check that out. I feel like the 
generational thing is just like super interesting inherently honestly it's part of why yeah. i enjoy talking to people here yeah so that that's kind of what we thought could make it uh worth people's time and it's been fun uh, and the other thing is like even though we're we're both really i mean this is i'm just repeating to you the intro of our podcast now but that's fine uh <laughs> even the even though we're both really big fans of these movies and we talk about them on the phone all the time, because he lives on the East Coast, I live on the West Coast. Uh, yeah. He was very little. He was very young when I moved to the West Coast. So like a huge amount of our pop, of our relationship has been talking on the phone about Marvel movies. But for whatever reason, we're both the kind of people that don't rewatch movies at all very much. So a yeah. lot of these movies I haven't seen since they came out, even though they're like my favorite movies. Uh, right. So it's been fun. It's yeah. been fun to go back and revisit them. They're really, they really... Some of them seem are more different than I remember than I would have thought. Like I've guessed wrong a bunch about which movies have aged differently and stuff. It's been cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and, kind of, I'm kind of the same way with 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 shows. Like I don't really, I don't, I don't even like really. I'm not terribly even inclined to watch reruns. So like, yeah, I can definitely agree with like that sort of. You know, it's you know something like Breadwinner is like really close to my heart and like one of my favorite shows, but also I haven't watched it since the finale. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, like like yeah, like, it's, like, it's... watching right. I watched an episode of Right Now Kapow last night to sort of prep myself for for being here tonight, and, and it's like the first time I've seen that show in several years. So yeah, it's it's funny. I'm <laughs> no not, help I... to the network. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not really but... sure what the psychology is because I do it with everything like re- rereading novels, replaying video games. I, I so rarely do it, but when I do, I'm always like, Oh, this is great. I yeah. am getting new things. I didn't remember all of it. Why don't I do this all the time? And then continue to never do it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm not totally sure why I can't. It's, it's so hard for me to remember that redoing, rewatching and replaying things is actually fun. I have, I did just replay final fantasy seven for the first time in like 20 years, but for the like 15th Whoa. time, because that's probably the game <laughs> I've played the most in my life. <laughs> it's great. Final fantasy seven still good. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> But yeah, That's going to go um, on game Twitter somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so in terms of projects, obviously, um, check out Aquaman King of the Lance on HBO Max. It's going yeah. to come on Acme soon. It's it's currently streaming on HBO Max. It'll be on Acme Night at some point, and I'll be tweeting about it. So follow that Twitter. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, you know, it's animation. So the stuff I'm working on right now, I can't talk about and will be out in two years. <laughs> okay. Hey, <laughs> nature of the cycle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hey, very likely uh, we will still be here. So just like I said to Jeff, <laughs> um, you know, if you're ever in sync, I'm back. No, I feel free. Yeah, definitely. Oh, see, I mean, he had a big day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that's going to be fun to edit and post because like, he, he couldn't tell me uh, what I he know. was doing. <laughs> that's fa- that is fa- you should have just talked to him one week later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I wish I could have, but like, this is like something that, like, yeah, now well, I know worry, why. <laughs> yeah, well, don't, you won't have that with me. I promise I have no big announcements for next week, except possibly when Aquaman comes out on Acme Night. Maybe that'll know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that might be a good time to like schedule its release, but you know, now I'm just thinking out loud. Uh, ben, uh, do you have anything you want to plug before we go out? Just my usual spiel for the most part. I'm Benzie Johnson Jr. I'm enthusiastic about television, and I have a YouTube channel where I talk about all sorts of things about television, domestic, international fair, all of the technical nitty gritties, as much as I can get into, uh, just just all sorts of things, honestly. I'd get into any tangent I possibly can because I just love the topic so much and there's so much to explore and I've loved it for all my life. 
And uh, next week's video, I'm talking about your conglomerate, Marley, and I'm not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> it's about spinoffs, and it's with none of the nuance I just told you an hour ago. <laughs> All right. Well, I probably won't watch it. <laughs> well, 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 no. I, I <laughs> Well, well, I, well, if no, we're being I, I honest, do, I do try and be. I, I, I'm talking about more like this, like how does this fit into the strategy and sort of yeah, yeah. my bias towards original fare. What does this mean? Why? why it's, uh, what do I feel they should be doing stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. no, it's but, not. It's uh, actually yeah. I, I, I basically just uh, uh, avoid all YouTube animation discourse. Uh, unfortunately, that's my <laughs> thing. I guess. That's I, the best I guess that's my I thing. I should apologize. <laughs> I guess that's my thing. I should apologize to you, which is I basically am not involved. I don't engage in any of that or watch any of that. <laughs> Sometimes that it's is the honestly fair. <laughs> sometimes, the, sometimes the TV space can be downright awful. So, but I like podcasts, <laughs> and uh, and you can, yeah, but yeah, you can also support me. I've got a Patreon. I've got YouTube memberships. You can get all those details at benzj.tk slash join. B e n z j dot t k slash join for all the details. I have a website. It's kind of cool. It's kind of basic, but hey. It exists. That's the important part, like we were saying. Yes. Websites are great. Everyone should have a website. I've actually never had a website because back when everyone had websites, I was like a Luddite who didn't know how the internet worked. And then no one had <laughs> websites. And then no one had websites anymore. But websites are great. I recommend it. I wish I had one. Yeah, I'll definitely start get one. into it. Like, obviously, I got to have a portfolio. But if, like, I can... If it will be like more organized, like have one just like me in general, all my content endeavors, I'll look into that for sure. And yeah, and also like, the, the good mm-hmm. the good thing about having a website is it's really easy to have like a password protected portfolio. Like once you do start working and you're working on stuff that you're not allowed to share publicly, the way yeah. you can show that you did it is by having that like uh, a video of your work that's locked away that only people you want to see can see it. Yeah, of course. And having your own web having your own website helps with that. So that's especially for art. Uh, that's yeah. a helpful thing. All right, and for funny, me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And for me, um, so I I do YouTube, obviously. Um, like I had previously said, um, I'm currently working on this huge um, Match of Girlfriends Squad retrospective. Lou been working on it for a year at this point. Um, if you want to um, support the show, like donate any sort of amount, you can get like a nine minute preview. Um, it's looking like it'll be an hour long, so you know that's a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty decent amount. Oh, um, Godspeed, Cash. Thank you, Godspeed. thank you. Godspeed to like everyone who's helped I me have, out. I have an hour long video potentially on the way very soon, and I, I'm not, I can't imagine even making it, much less putting yeah. it out. So, <laughs> yeah, Marley, we're in the trenches on a regular basis. Oh, you, you, you think, you think, you think creating a cartoon is is, is rough? An hour long YouTube video. Well, hey, you, have you to know, know all I don't the process and all hey, the <laughs> I I literally do not know cuz back in my YouTube days 10 minutes was the limit. Oh. <laughs> you could you could not upload a video longer than 10 minutes when I was a YouTuber. Yeah. Okay, but think of that times 6. And it's <laughs> one guy. Yeah. <laughs> and you ha- and you have to also have other things in your life. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean the hardest and part the, of and any the bar is like yay high. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say the hardest part of any creative endeavor is that you also have to have the rest of your life. Uh, yes, <laughs> it, it never it it never gets to be the only thing you do. You also have to like you know f- 
feed yourself and see people and make money and do things. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's, I think we can all, everyone doing anything creative, even if it's a medium you're not familiar with, I think we can all, all appreciate how hard it is that we also have to be alive in this world. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. No the, the one creative solidarity thing we all yeah. agree on. Yeah. Hand yes. It's, it's hard to be alive. Yes. True <laughs> uh, words that, will I actually, never be spoken. I will say that was probably the thesis of Right Now Kapow. The lesson we were trying to impart on children is that it's, it's hard to be alive. <laughs> Uh, I think that was pretty consistent. I think if you watch the sketches it, it, with that framework, you'll see like, oh yeah, this sketch is sort of about how being alive is hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm, th- I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of the tests, the the standardized test song from, from the episode I watched last night, <laughs> and the teacher was just like, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to um, when the saints uh, come marching in. <laughs> yeah, no, we did a one, one three, of our five. <laughs> We, we didn't have that many reoccurring characters, really, uh, but definitely one thing that was really fun was that anytime anyone pitched any kind of sketch in a classroom, we could always put it in that same classroom with uh, Betsy Sidaro playing the teacher that was just despairing at the actions of her children. <laughs> <laughs> she was just, bro- just broken inside. We have one sketch where she like plays a joke on them, but then the real joke is that she laughs so hard she looks like she's going to have a heart attack. <laughs> oh. <laughs> She just starts, she's like laughing and then harder and then harder. And then there's like a vein on her forehead and her eyes bug out. <laughs> and like, that's where we cut. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I yeah, can imagine my jokes. head. That sounds insane. <laughs> some of these jokes. We got like, a, we, our favorite note we ever got from Disney was a sketch that we then didn't do where their response was, we don't think kids will, will like be into the joke being about the existential despair. <laughs> jokes on you disney xd practices yeah we're all into that it's after the recession existential yeah we did i mean that's our god that's the problem we we made our show in between the recession and the pandemic they thought things were okay so they didn't let us do our bleak jokes yeah little did any of you know we did. Like, oh I'm, God! Have you have you your seen entire our, network is a rerun farm now? You don't know what's going to happen. Have Have you seen? Oh, oh, then we'll go. Just I've never gotten to talk to anyone about this because no one's seen my show. Uh, uh-huh. Have you seen? And you probably haven't because there's not clips of it. Uh, have you seen the sketch we did where a, a wrestler runs for mayor? Oh my gosh! Yes, and and then yes. wins. Okay, so. So we were writing this show in 2015. So, oh no! no. So our our writer our writer pitches it, and literally we're all like, "Oh, this is kind of like Trump. That's funny. Too bad he'll be out of the primaries by time by the time our show premieres." And then, (laughs) as we're and then as we're making this show, every like new step, like then it gets boarded, then it gets recorded, then it gets animated, and every step we're like, "Oh shit, this is like like exactly like Trump," and like that's. He's going to, we have a debate sketch and it's going to air in between two of the debates. And we were all like, we were like, okay, well, uh, he's obviously going to lose. So I guess this is really cool for us that we have this. 
and so, and we were like, oh, and people are going to go crazy for it because we've got these jokes that seem like we knew about Trump, even though we didn't. And then nobody watched our show. Nobody went crazy. Uh, but Trump won and has permanently tarnished one of my favorite sketches. So the whole thing worked out basically uh, as badly as it possibly could have. <laughs> At least your show didn't have to deal with the pain of going through all four years of it. <laughs> oh yeah you're right the, yeah the, the the good thing is we didn't have to make four seasons the good thing was that yeah. right now kapow quit while it was ahead yeah <laughs> america did not have yeah. the convenience in the luxury. that's true that's true i i did you know what you're right i'm shall quit while it was ahead i'm i'm yeah. very Every, i feel that entire network took yeah. a hint from your sketch and <laughs> we are so i i do know that in a lot of international markets right now kapow was literally the last thing to air on disney xd wow. uh not not in america but every now and then we'd see someone on twitter be like and that's it for disney xd last show right now kapow <laughs> so we like we closed out the network uh in a lot of markets <laughs> wow how, how do you, how do you feel about boy. that? Honestly, uh, that yeah. I actually, you know what? That's that's one of the things I'm proud of. No, I think that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, just just a yeah. just a just a scheduler in a foreign country, just working <laughs> magic and yeah. yeah. No, that uh, I wish. Yeah, no, that I am actually proud of. If you're if you're gonna be on a channel that turns out to not be long for this world, you want to be the last thing. <laughs> the Go last thing the they high. run. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A bang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a uh, kapow if it were. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> come, we got, come on, we, Cash. We got there. <laughs> we got there. We, we at last. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, this is obviously like I was we could go all night, but I have to edit this all my own. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just we just talked about how this is really hard work for you. Uh, <laughs> also, but we're yes. past two hours now, so I have yeah. done my job. <laughs> What's Red the longest? Is, is is this the longest episode? I want a record. I think this has been the longest episode so far. I, yeah. No, okay. I think mine was longer. I think mine. Was oh longer well, then let's keep minutes. going. But, <laughs> but like, but like, it's just no. The for, the, for the sake of cash, yes, it's 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 because I'm here. <laughs> I am I am a gift and a I am a gift and a birth. Yeah, well, thank yes. thank you for having me. This has been great. Ah, it's been a oh, blast, yeah. honestly. Just, yeah, yeah, just this being here to great. chat about this with with you, especially given how underrated a show right now Kapow is, and just um, also somewhat some of the ringer. <laughs> you might have been yeah. through in some of your other endeavors, just to hear from your, <laughs> your, your face. Yeah, no, I mean, the last time I got to really talk about right now Kapow was when we did the press, like, for the premiere. Uh, wow. So this is, this is fun for me, too. Uh, oh yeah and finally you know like in the case that he's listening to us the stereo's probably listening 20 bucks so, hey, <laughs> <we all> <laughs> oh boy you'd be more than 20 bucks you, you'd be you'd be it'd be easier to find people a stereo's doesn't owe 20 dollars to <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah this has just been great and to finally close out a, another episode of the cash cast I have been Cash. I have been Benzie Johnson Jr. I, I have been Marley. Is that what, Marley Halpern Grazer? Yes. <laughs> I'll and, continue to be also in my own home. <laughs> <laughs> and we will all see you next time. Just remember to take care, stay safe, wear a mask, and as always, love and peace. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.